we are on air for NASCAR's weekend preview of Bristol on Dirt. And joining me for tonight's show is our co-host, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Is it Bristol, baby, yet? Uh, I think that's been said for like two or three weeks, maybe even longer than that, but uh, it's definitely here. The most anticipated race so far of the season is finally here with uh, the Bristol Dirt Races this weekend. Uh, now, in our first half hour, though, we'll give a few updates from the Arkham Art Series, but at 840, our guest is Isabella, Isabella Robusto, with Rev Racing and NASCAR's Drive for Diversity program. Now, she just uh, had their season opener at Sobo Speedway uh, and had two top tens in the twin events there. So we'll talk to her about her season with the uh, Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Touring Season and uh, being part of Rev Racing in their NASCAR Drive for Diversity program. Super excited about that. I know that's the second uh, female we've had here in a couple of weeks, which I love to see and hear from. Again, always a different perspective. And then we talk about the, we've had several that come from that Drive for Diversity program. Uh, such a great program. So glad we get to have them on here and get them some exposure like this. Yes, indeed. Uh, a big fan of the Rev Racing program. Also at 9 o'clock, uh, we will get into our uh, NASCAR Truck Series race on Bristol Dirt. Uh, it's it's going to be uh, full of some cars from uh, not just the regular trucks or some trucks, uh, not just from the regular Truck Series uh, entrance, but there are quite a few Cup Series drivers uh, that have entered that event as well. So we'll have a lot to talk about. At fourth with the truck series on dirt at Bristol Motor Speedway. Well, I know this is a preview show, and we're going to talk about what's going to happen. Uh, I don't know how often we can say but, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. A lot of unknowns there. Uh, when we finish with that preview, we'll give some updates on the NASCAR Xfinity Series. They are not racing this weekend. In fact, it's going to be two weeks before they're back on the track with the Easter break. Uh, they won't be racing again until Martinsville, and that would be on Friday, April the 9th. So uh, a little bit of a break here for the Xfinity Series, but we will update you on what's going on there. Then at 930 um, we will, or 940-ish, we will get into the NASCAR Cup Series uh, Bristol Dirt Race. And uh, we'll, like Jay said, we'll give you what we know, uh, but there are so many unknowns uh, when it comes to this event, a 3,400-pound car, uh, car racing on dirt at Bristol Motor Speedway is going to be a whole new experience for all of these drivers. It is, and I know that they had a little bit, uh, actually just watching uh, Race Hub and talking about the preparation for for dirt as well as the, what they've had there so far. Uh, you know, uh, it may not be ideal, but they are as prepared as they can be and have done what they can to put forth the best product. Exactly. We'll have to kind of wait and see what the weekend holds for us. 
Uh, at 10 o'clock, of course, is our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with our fan racing crew. And I believe it's uh, you and Tommy for tonight, Jay. Uh, unfortunately, Andy got called into work at the last minute, uh, you know, and unable to come. And I uh, didn't have anybody to fill the spot. So uh, it'll be you and Tommy tonight on Hot Topics. So I'm sure we'll be able to hit quite a few uh, topics here. Well, and believe it or not, I don't even know if I put any up on the board today. I mean, there were a couple that were kind of on my mind, but uh, I think you and Mike and uh, Tommy were actually the ones that were uh, pretty busy on there today. So definitely some things to talk about uh, for sure. There always is uh, when it comes to NASCAR and the wide range of topics that we get to cover on Hot Topics. I love it. Without a doubt, uh, we have plenty to keep us busy on Hot Topics, uh, and uh, definitely looking forward to that. Uh, real quick, before Isabella comes on, I do want to give the next races for the Arkham Menard Series. Uh, the Arkham Menard Series itself will be racing at Talladega Super Speedway on April the 24th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. They will race the General Tire 200, and it will be televised on Fox Sports 1. So uh, back to the Super Speedway for the Arkham Menard Series. Then on uh, May 22nd, their next race will be at Toledo Speedway at 8 p.m. Eastern Time for the Earth Potato Chips 200. That will be televised on MAV TV, and uh, that will be the first race for the Sioux Chief Showdown uh, event this year and the championship for that series. On uh, May the 8th, we see a return of the Arkham and Art Series East. They will be racing the Music City 200 at Nashville Fairground Speedway, and that will be live-streamed on TrackPass uh, if you are an NBC Gold uh, TrackPass member. The West returns on June the 5th for the General Tire 200, and that will be on the road course uh, at uh, Sonoma Raceway, at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, and also live-streamed on TrackPath. So a lot of racing coming up here in the next couple of months uh, for the Arkham Menard Series, Jay. Well, I know we've got a couple of gaps there with the, when it comes to the Arkham Menard Series, especially on the east and the west sides. Uh, I didn't realize that it was a two-week gap, though, for the Xfinity Series. I knew they had a break. Uh, before they went to Martinsville, but I forgot to factor in Easter there, so a little bit bigger gap there than what I what I was expecting. Yes, uh, and that reminds me on a programming note, we will not be on air next Thursday night. Uh, there will be no show on April the 1st, and we'll also have no show on April the 5th, which is the Monday night show. Uh, we will, however, return. We'll be back. We'll be here Monday night, the 29th of March, uh, for our last review show, uh, and then we'll take a break and return on that uh, program on the 12th of April, and we return for the preview show on Thursday, April the 8th. Regina Servant right now is uh, listed as our uh, guest for that night, and she's another uh, rev racing driver that we'll tell you more about as we get closer to uh, that date. 
So uh, a lot to look forward to here. Uh, we will take a break for Easter because there will be no racing uh, during that time. So uh, just to uh, bring, I'm going to go ahead and bring Isabella into the queue here. She is here. And uh, Isabella, you guys had a season opener this weekend at uh, South Boston Speedway. You came home with two top tens. So first of all, I want to say welcome to the show and congratulations on your two top tens. Yeah, thank you for having me. That was uh, definitely a great way to start the season off with Rev. So uh, we got back into the swing of things and started off pretty strong. Now, this, I believe, is your fifth season with Rev Racing, and uh, you've you've been racing the Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Touring Series. I believe you raced with them last year, didn't you? Yes, I did three years of Legend Cars with Rev Racing to start out with, and then last year was my first year in the late model with them, and then this will be my fifth year with them uh, all together, but second in the late model. Okay. Uh, before we get into the race at South Boston, I want to take a couple minutes, too, to get to know Isabella Robusto. So tell us what got you excited about becoming a race car driver. Yeah, since I was little, my dad always, like, had the races on the TV, and uh, he has a picture of us from our first birthday, and uh, we were watching the Daytona 500. So, um We've definitely been race fans since the beginning, and uh, when we were five years old, he put us into go-karts, my twin brother and I, and we both fell in love with racing, and I loved everything about it from the mechanical side and how you can learn something new every time you go to the track, and then, of course, just the speed and the adrenaline that you get from racing. So um, I fell in love with it fast, and uh, I'm enjoying every minute of it. Okay, you mentioned a twin brother. Is he still racing as well, Isabella? Uh, yeah, my twin brother, Will, he races go-karts. Um, he likes go-karts more, so he's kind of stayed on that path. But uh, whenever we can, we love to race against each other. Okay, that's super. So tell us <laughs> about the season opener at uh, South Boston Speedway. Uh, in the uh, Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Touring Series. Uh, what were your expectations going in and then coming out of that race? Yeah, so it was the first race, getting, just getting back into the car in five months. Um, so uh, I was twin 75, and my expectation, I just wanted to make sure I got all of the laps and uh, just get all the information I can about just uh, feeling the car and making sure I remember everything correctly, like all of the changes that you can make and uh, just the overall racing experience. So uh, I successfully successfully made all of the laps, which is good. It got a little uh, hairy near the end. I uh, ended up getting kind of run over uh, with about 15 <laughs> to go, but we ended up finishing. But not with all of our fenders intact, but we still got all the laps and. Uh, which was the main goal, and then just working on things that I kind of uh, needed to work on from last year, um, such as, like, passing and just getting the passes done faster and completing them in, like, two or three laps versus five or six or seven, like, last year, uh, which I felt really good on. I had some strong passes. There was very few laps that I wasn't either being passed or passing someone, 
So it was really good practice just being able to roll the top side and both the bottom. So it was great to get back with my team and just work on uh, starting off where we left off last year. So we ended up getting the car set right where we wanted it to be set for the race uh, right after practice, which was really good because that was something that we kind of struggled on last year. So overall, it was a great weekend. Uh, I had fun racing with Rajah, just getting back with teammates and stuff was really fun. Um, But we ended up with two strong top tens. So overall, it was pretty good. Absolutely. These were twin seven five races. Uh, You finished P8 in the uh, first race, and uh, you finished in ninth place in the second race. So that's not too shabby. That's pretty good. Uh, and and when's your next race, Isabella? Uh, so my next race will be in two weeks at Tri County. Uh, Tri County is one of my favorite tracks that I've been to, so I'm really looking forward to that one. And I've been watching film from last year and uh, talking to my crew chief just about trying to get prepared so that when we get to the track, we can focus on getting the car fast, we can get our win. Okay, sounds really good. Okay, now our co-host is uh, on board with us tonight, Jay Huseman, and I know he has some questions, so uh, we'll move over to Jay at this point for him to ask his questions. Jay? All right, thanks, Sharon. Uh, you mentioned uh, having been with Rev Racing uh, three years with the the Legends cars and then now two in the late models. wanted to talk about that. We've seen some drivers come from iRacing, into NASCAR's top levels and then some that come from dirt. So the importance of that progression of legends cars, late models, and then on up and staying there for, for more than just one year. Uh, you, you mentioned returning and working on things you learned from last year. When you jump from one car to another, sometimes it's harder to transfer that. So if you tell us about that as far as just what, what more you gain from that of the second year in the same type car or series. Yeah, I could definitely tell in the legend car, like how I grew because I started off in the first year finishing like probably 20th to 25th. And then the second year, uh, probably 10th to 15th, somewhere around there. And then the last year was where I saw my most progression because I could uh, look back from the past two years and see what the difference was and what I needed to work on. And I ended up finishing nine out of the 10 races in the top five. So uh, you can definitely, I could definitely tell myself and I think the team could as well about how staying in the same car for multiple years after each other that I can just grow my experience and keep getting better results. And um, I'm starting to see it with the late model. I still have limited amount of races compared to like the legend cars or go-karts that I ran. Um, But even from last year, from when I finished off uh, this past race in South Boston, I felt more comfortable in the car itself and just uh, around the team and getting the right changes and knowing that I was making the right calls and not saying the wrong thing so that we could get the car set up how I wanted to uh, was definitely a big help. And uh, I think also the people at Rev can see that uh, staying in the same car for two years or three years in a row can help with the just experience and finishing positions. The other, the other key thing, and you mentioned it there, uh, of working on the car being involved hands-on, 
again, we've had some drivers come in that, and they'll, they'll self-admit, you know, they don't know nothing about setting the car up. They just know how to drive it. So, you know, you're asking your crew chief to set something up for you versus if you can say, hey, tighten this up or turn here or whatever, the, the experience of being that hands-on, very involved in the car. Yeah, uh, something that I personally do is that every time I'm at the race shop, I try to learn something new, either like about the car mechanically or just something about the new track, like going on iRacing and learning a new track that we're going to go to later in the year or watching film. And I feel like this has helped because now I have kind of like a mental book of all of the things. And it's not as much as um, some people have. Like hopefully by the end of this year, I'll know a big chunk of the different parts of the car and what changes do what. Um, So I'm working on getting to that point to where I can tell them or kind of explain to them what the car is doing by kind of giving them examples of what we could do to change it. Um, and that's my hope. And right now I feel that it's very important just like looking up through the different uh, people who have made it to the cup series or the Xfinity or truck series and that the majority of them feel that it was helpful that they knew the car and that it helps them progress faster and get better results. So I'm personally trying to learn the car better and just get more information that I can. Well, that's great to hear, and I know in this day and age, especially with some of the newer cars coming, at, at least at the top level of the Cup Series, that is going to kind of go away because it is more about engineering, but to know that that's still happening, you know, and I'm a dirt track person, so I see it at the dirt track every week to know that that's still the progression. Uh, the, the last question I got, we're talking about great things, is Rev Racing and this Drive for Diversity program, all the way down to, you mentioned the Legends uh, Legend Series, uh, that it's not just a, a one series that they're involved in. They have been throughout. And you mentioned some of the ones that have gotten to the, the top level at the Cup Series that have come through the program, the opportunities it, it opens up. Yeah, just being able to see people like Bubba Wallace and Kyle Larson come through Rev, and they do have different backgrounds from where I come from, but they both went to Rev, and now they're in the Cup Series. So, I look that it is possible and that Rev is definitely the next step to making it to the Cup Series. And um, I'm working on next year, hopefully making it into the K&N Series, just climb the ladder one more step to making it to the Cup Series. So um, I definitely look at Rev Racing and can see that they have been successful at their goal of getting minorities into the cup series. So uh, I'm working hard and hopefully that I can be the next one to make it to the cup series from res. All right. Well, we hope to see your name on that list when they do the combine there again, I know they do a great program there with their combine uh, for tryout. So hopefully we see your name on that list and coming out of it. And I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon. Okay. Isabella. Uh, I know, you know, talking about the combine that Rev Racing does, uh, there's a lot of other people out there just like you who are looking for that opportunity. What advice would you give them uh, about the next combine that's coming up for Rev Racing? Yeah, I would say just try to expand your resume and just get out there and start making connections because I've learned that uh, just having the right connections help you tremendously. Uh, just get your name out there and 
just prepare and if you can do simulator work in the late model just so that you can kind of get a feeling of how it is and make sure that you just don't give up on racing and that you push yourself every time to get better or to win the race. So uh, I would say just try to uh, expand your brand and make connections and just don't give up and push yourself and get better every weekend or whatever race you can. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of it is about the racing, but a lot of it is also about how you present yourself for potential sponsorship. Uh, So how do you prepare for that? Yeah, Rev has definitely helped me in the past five years, just kind of expanding my brand and letting people know, like, who I am and just um, being myself. And I feel like that's helped because the audience and, all of my followers kind of get where, like, who I am and where I come from. And I feel like that's helped with my own brand, but also reaching out to new, like, sponsorship options and just kind of getting my name out there. Okay. Uh, Tell us about your team, too, because uh, I know that you guys, Rev Racing works very closely with UTI, and uh, does, I know they work on the engines and all kinds of things. Uh, do you have anybody from UTI on your team? Um, not that I know of. I do know that Rev uh, supports multiple programs, and the one that I'm most familiar with is the pit crew, um, just because I work out with them pretty much every morning. <laughs> so I've gotten <laughs> to know all of them through guys that come through each year and uh normally each year we get like a new group of them so i get to meet them all and then uh now i'm seeing some of them on tv working on different uh cup series so that is really cool i feel like and i know that rev tries their best to just um open up and help as many people as they can yeah, we're, we're big fans of uh, Rev Racing and the Driver Diversity Program, and and uh, it's always great to have the drivers uh, from Rev Racing on our show. So, Isabella, it's been great uh, getting to know you a little bit more, and uh, I hope this isn't the last time we get to visit with you. You've off to a good start in the Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Touring Series, and uh, I hope you guys stay in touch. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on. This was great. Do you have any shout-outs you want to do before we say goodnight? Um, I would just like to shout-out my mom and dad for just helping me with everything and racing and uh, just pushing me to never give up and do better and get better every time I go to the track and just all the guys at Rev for teaching me everything um, that I've learned pretty much in the late model and just bringing great cars to the track every week. Okay, yeah, uh, it's it's been really fun to watch that happening every week uh, with Rev Racing, and uh, I know there's been some really great drivers that have come through there. So Isabella, we wish you all the best. Um, if you let me ask you just one more question: Who is your role model as far as a racer that you want to kind of model yourself after as you progress? Yeah, I. Kind of don't. So I have multiple racers that I look up to. The one for that I look up to the most is Jimmy Johnson, and just 
I know that he's no longer a Cup Series driver, but just everything that he's been able to accomplish in his career, like the seven championships and all of the different records that he broke and uh, how he helped people outside of the racetrack with his different charities and uh, fundraising and programs that he did. But I also look to uh, Danica Patrick and how she kind of paved the way for females to make it into the Cup Series. That, that is really great. She really did uh, do some paving of the way there along with some other females in racing. But I think we're getting closer to the point of thinking of uh, females as racers versus uh, female racers, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks again for being here, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you the next time you come on. All right. Thank you. Okay, take care now. All right, that is Isabella Robusto, and uh, really fun getting to know her a little bit, Jay, and uh, really uh, great that she had the season opener this past weekend uh, that we could talk about at South Boston Speedway. Yeah, some great takeaways from the interview, as it always is with all the Rev Racing and the ones they've had Mm -hmm. coming through their program. Uh, the, the one thing, again, the looking at, I, I like that she mentioned Jimmy Johnson, not just about being what's on track, but what's off track as well uh, as far as a role model. So that's, that's a great thing to see and to have him acknowledged and appreciated for that. Absolutely, absolutely. And it doesn't matter that he's not with NASCAR anymore. He's still out there racing. And uh, I think he's a great role model uh, I don't think uh, there's too many others you could pick that would be much better than what uh, Jimmy Johnson is. So uh, that was really a fun interview. And, uh, uh, again, we'll really look forward to having her back on the show. Uh, Jay, we've got a couple minutes here. Do you want to get into our fan for racing uh, group and give us an update there real quick? All right, I can do that. Let me pull up my uh, screenshots. The other thing I, I want to mention there, uh, she kind of hit on of, of talking about the crew members that also progressed through Rev Racing, and not, yes. not just Rev Racing, but all series that, you know, they go through the same thing, their development and, and whatnot as they move up. And the fact that she said those are ones she actually knows quite a bit and to see some of them getting up to the cup level as well. So that's always cool. Exactly. The drivers get uh, most of the recognition for that, but there are a lot of crew members that come through this program as well and are now working uh, in NASCAR's top three. So I thought that was a really good point. Uh, And I thank you for bringing that up, Jay. All right. For the uh, fantasy points here on the truck series, Sharon gets the, uh, the nod this week, 22 points. From there on, it is wide open with the Let's see, next back is Mike at 15, Andy is at 14, Sam and Tommy at 12, I'm at 11, Owen is 10, Uh, James, that one, he's the one with a little bit slow start in the truck series with five, but again, with the uh, number of players we have this year, that's not a big points gap to be made up, so don't get too far ahead of us there, Sharon. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I don't have many... uh things to celebrate when it comes to the fantasy group. So when I get the chance, I have to enjoy uh, the moment. On, yeah. on the uh, This year so far has been absolutely great. It's been extremely competitive and keeping everything even, so I like it. Uh, it's the Xfinity Series. 
There it is, Andy and Owen at the top at 28. Again, only four points. Uh, James is at 24. Mike at 22. Sam at 18. Sharon at 17. This is my Achilles heel this year. I'm at 14. I am still beating Tommy, but he didn't get to do all the races, so I can't even brag on that a whole lot. (laughs) On the cup side, this one tightened up like you wouldn't believe. I still have the points lead at 39 points. Mike is at 37. Sam is at 36. Sharon, you are at 32. Those are our top four. Then we've got a little bit of a gap. James is at 23. Andy at 12, and James, or uh, Tom, sorry, Tommy at 11. Again, Tommy missed a couple races to start the season, so. And that puts the overall, uh, I, I just can't believe how close this is, even this early in the season. Mike at 74. Owen is next at 67. I dropped back one. Sam, I'm sorry, I missed you, Sharon. Mike is at 74. Sharon, you are at 71. So you jumped into the 70 category there. Then is uh, Owen at 67. Sam at 66. Me at 64. Andy at 54. James at 52. And Tommy at 30. Uh, when we have that triple header weekends, that's eight players. That's yeah. 24 points. So, again, not out of it by any means. And we're still early. Oh, yeah, it's still early in the season, so we have a whole lot of racing left to do, including, uh, and I'm real excited for this, uh, the truck series, the Camping World Truck Series on dirt at uh, Bristol Motor Speedway, the Pinty's Truck Race on Dirt, uh, this Saturday, March the 27th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Now, Fox Sports 1 will have the pre-race coverage starting at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, and radio coverage will be on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 75 miles over 150 laps. The first stage ends on lap 40, the second stage on lap 90, and then the final stage on lap 150. So uh, this is going to be exciting because we have a lot of Cup Series drivers uh, getting their feet wet in this Truck Series event. Well, the first thing we want to look at, like we generally do every week, though, talk about uh, tight points. Hosuor takes over Mm -hmm. the Sunoco Rookie of the Year lead by the most narrow of margins as Hosuor took over the lead in the Sunoco Rookie of the Year standings following Atlanta. After trailing 20 by 22 points heading out to Las Vegas, a 12th place finish at Atlanta vaulted Hosovar to a one-point lead over Chandler Smith, who unfortunately had a rough finish there, a 35th at Atlanta. And then the next group down here, this is where we thought the, the tightness was before. Chase Purdy mm-hmm. is third, Haley Deegan fourth, and they are just a point away from each other as well following Atlanta. Deegan had a 21st place finish while Purdy was 24th. And that means this weekend will provide a fun challenge that may favor Deegan in the standings, who has a win in the Arkham Menard Series West uh, on the dirt track out at Las Vegas. So I mentioned Horsevore is the leader now, 93 points, Chandler Smith 92, each of them having won two of the awards for the four races they've done so far. Chase Purdy at 52, Haley Deegan at 51, 
Chris Wright is at 37, and they still have Tim Veens listed, and he hasn't run a race yet. Okay. Yeah, this is getting interesting, uh, the series of uh, Rookie of the Year uh, competition between these drivers. I think this is the series that has the most uh, rookies in it. And uh, as you mentioned, there's some really tight uh, points uh, there between those drivers. Let's talk next about the championship hunt. There are two drivers that have locked their spot in in the Camping World Truck Series playoffs by virtue of wins this year. Ben Rhodes, of course, swept the opening uh, two races on the Daytona Super Speedway and then on the road course when John Hunter Chimachek won at Las Vegas. Kyle Busch was the next uh, race winner, but he's not running for the championship in that series. Those two drivers lead the points as well. Nemechek has the advantage there. He's in first place with 204 points. Rhodes is in second place with 157 points. Sheldon Creed at 154 points and Matt Crafton at 145 points have put together solid seasons in regard to the points holding on to the third and fourth spots respectively. Now, Creed is just 30 points behind Ben Rhodes, while Crafton holds a 23-point lead over fifth place Stuart Friesen, who is at 122 points. Of note, all three of those drivers have found success on dirt. Creed uh, having the Arkham and Art Series West win on Las Vegas dirt, and Crafton and Friesen both having uh, <clears throat> golden shovels from the Eldora dirt track. Austin Hill at 115 points, Johnny Sauter at 103, Zane Smith is at 99 points, Carson Hosevar at 93, and Chandler Smith at 92 round out the top 10 playoff positions based on points. Uh, also of note here, Grant Infinger is ninth in overall points, but is not eligible for the playoffs because he missed the Daytona road course race. So this is going to get exciting, I think, as the season progresses. And uh, I think with this uh, race at Bristol, it's going to add uh, a whole new dimension to what's happening in the series point standings and the championship hunt. Well, I don't know about here at Bristol at Dirt, but I only got three things to say there, and that's John Hunter Nemechek, KBM Motorsports <laughs> Championship. Uh, you'll hear that from me a lot this year. I think he made a, a great decision there. Yes, indeed. Now, when it comes to Dirt, uh, talk about a team tackling the Bristol Dirt. It's a husband and wife team. In a first for the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, a married couple will attempt to compete against each other in a race. As Jessica Friesen, as a well-known sprint car and modified dirt racer, will be making her NASCAR National Series debut while driving the number 62 Halmar Friesen Racing Toyota. The number 62 will mark the first time Halmar Friesen has fielded a second truck for a race, and it will be alongside the familiar number 52 of Jessica's husband, Stuart Friesen, who is the most recent Camping World Truck Series dirt race winner, Sharon mentioned, Eldora in 2019. Now, the Friesens have competed against each other in a race before. Uh, they actually finished first and second in a race at Utica Rome Speedway 
two days after their wedding back in 2014. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, that one caught me off guard. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Uh, but they will be a, uh, attempting to become the first husband and wife duo to compete in the same NASCAR National Series race since Elton Sawyer and Patty Moise last did it in Atlanta in the Xfinity Series coming back in 1998. Uh, and this weekend won't end on Saturday after that Camping World Truck Series race for Friesens, however, as Stewart will be running the number 77 Spire Motorsports entry on Sunday as he makes his NASCAR Cup Series debut. A lot going on there for the Friesens. Yes, there is. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch them on the track. Uh, they race on Sunday, on Saturday, uh, Saturday evening on FS1. Okay, now let's talk about setting the Truck Series field and the race format. Uh, believe it or not, there's a total of 44 trucks that are currently entered for Saturday night's Pinty Truck Race on Dirt. And uh, they're going to be all vying for just 40 spots in the final field for the 150-lap race. So to set the field on Saturday afternoon, there will be a feature of four qualifying races with 11 trucks per race starting at 4.30 p.m. The random draw determines the heat race designation and starting spot for the heat races, and the draw was done in the order of the current order owner points. Now, each qualifying race is just 15 laps with only green flag laps counting, and the overtime rule will not be in effect. The free pass and waiver round procedures will be in use. Drivers will accumulate points in the heat races based on their finishing position. And this is kind of cool. They're going to get points for pass, also going to get points, passing points uh, during these heat races. Then the lineup for the feature race will be based on the combined points of heat race finishing position as well as their passing points. So, of course, the more they pass, the more points they can accumulate there. Passing points are defined as the difference between the assigned starting position and the finishing position of the trucks. There will only be positive passing points awarded for moving forward. If a driver finishes in the same or lower position, then they will receive zero points. So the passing points can only help them. They will not hurt a driver. Finishing points are awarded as uh, as follows. 11th place will also receive one point. So 11th place gets one point. 10th place gets one point. Then ninth, two, eighth gets three, seventh gets four, and so on, all the way up to the number one spot where they get 10 points for finishing in first place. Now, the feature race, again, will be 150 laps divided into three stages, uh, the first stage ending on lap 40, then lap 90 for the second stage, and 150 for the final stage. The running order is going to be frozen at the conclusion of each stage, and during the stage breaks, teams can change their tires and fuel and make adjustments to their trucks. The trucks cannot add any fuel or change tires except during the stage breaks. So any other breaks other than the stage breaks, they're not allowed to make any adjustments to their trucks or to add any fuel. 
so or they can't change any tires or add any fuel. Uh, so to make that clear, uh, the only time they can uh, do that is during the stage breaks for adding fuel or changing tires. So that's pretty interesting. That puts a little twist to the strategy of this race. It does, and I, and I, I gotta commend NASCAR. They they wanted to incorporate the dirt track aspect to it uh, without overcomplicating it. You talked about the positive passing points. Yes, if you're using passing points, normally you also get a negative if you drop back positions. Uh, they're trying to keep it relatively simple. Uh, the random draw for starting positions in heats that's pretty common at a lot of dirt tracks if they don't have the timing and qualifying system set up. So. I like that they, they did what they could to incorporate it without getting too complicated and, again, keeping the ass element from the NASCAR side of it. So I think they did a great great job with the combination of the two here. Okay. Well, let's talk about the Camping World Truck Series playing on the dirt in Bristol. They're, yeah, they're going to be the first ones. Now, while the NASCAR Cup Series will be racing on dirt for the first time in over 50 years, the Camping World Truck Series returned to the surface in 2013 when they went to Eldora Speedway in Ohio. Although the 2020 edition of that Eldora race was canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the trucks will race on dirt twice this season. This weekend at Saturday night's Pinty's Truck Race on Dirt from Bristol, and then later this season, they got a new one at Knoxville Speedway in Iowa. Now, of the seven races on dirt at Eldora between 2013 and 2019, five of the race winners will try to qualify for this weekend's race. Bubba Wallace was the 2014 winner, Kyle Larson in 2016, Matt Crafton in 17, Chase Briscoe in 2018, and your most recent winner that I mentioned in 2019 was Stuart Friesen. In addition to Wallace driving the number 11 Toyota for Spencer Davis Motorsports and Larson, the number 44 Nice Motorsports Chevrolet, several other NASCAR Cup Series regulars uh, will be taking a turn on the dirt while with the Camping World Truck Series. Daniel Suarez will be in the number 02 Young Motorsports Chevrolet, Kevin Harvick for the number 17 DGR, uh, Ford. Ryan Newman is going to be in the number 39 Diversified Custom Concept Ford. And Martin Truex Jr. in the number 51 Kyle Busch Motorsports Toyota. All will be attempting to make the main event come Saturday. Uh, in total, there are 22 drivers entered over half the field who have raced at least one Eldora Speedway on the dirt in the Campbell World Truck Series. Crafton and Johnny Sauter are the only drivers who competed in all seven races between 2013 and 19. And on top of uh, Eldora Dirt experience, a pair of the drivers in the field have won uh, Arkham Menard Series West race on dirt in the pair of races there held at the dirt at Las Vegas. That's Sheldon Creed, who won there in 2018, while Haley Began won the race in 2019. And Derek Krause also did win his qualifying race in each of those years on the Las Vegas dirt. So a lot of experience there. Again, Bristol is a little bit different uh, beast, if you will, uh, whether it's on dirt or not. The dirt thing is uh, is a little bit newer. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting race. Again, 
I can't think of a, of a race that's been more promoted to include even maybe the Daytona 500 yearly. <laughs> I know this is this has really been an anticipated event. Uh, I will mention though, and we're going to talk about this on hot topics. Uh, there's some weather that's going through the south there, and I'm a little bit worried about uh, the weather kind of playing a role in this weekend's races. Have you seen that, Jay? I have, and I, I listened to uh, one of the experts they brought in there on race hub, so we'll share some information that. And I know Andy's planning on attending, and he had been messaging me, uh, I think, last night asking some questions, and I was like, uh, how much time you got? Because it's complicated, but uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I'll, I'll just say that, and we'll get into that in Hot Topics. But uh, don't let it get you super down as of yet. Okay, well, that's good to know then. Uh, but just something that I think fans do need to be aware of as we look forward to the racing this weekend. Uh, do check the weather as uh, we progress into this weekend. Okay, uh, we're a little ahead of schedule, but that's the thing. I'm going to go ahead and get into the Xfinity Series here. We always need more time for the Cup Series for some reason, so any can get ahead. That's a good thing. Okay, now the Xfinity Series is not racing this weekend. The next race is the Cookout 250 that will take place at Martinsville Speedway on Friday, April the 9th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Pre-race coverage will be on Fox Sports 1 starting at 7 p.m. Eastern with the radio coverage on MRN and SiriusXM NASCAR Radio. Uh, and I'll get into more details when we do the brief preview show, uh, but just to let everybody know that that's going to be in a couple of weeks uh, before the we see the Xfinity Series back on track. So these guys have a chance to get uh, some rest before they head to Martinsville. <clears throat> well, that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing either, let me tell you that. <laughs> now here in the... <laughs> theme of the night appears to be tight points battles. This one in the Xfinity Series is a manufacturer update. Chevrolet is leading the manufacturer championship standings right now with three wins and 221 points. Myatt Schneider, A.J. Allmendinger, and Justin Allgaier have gotten Chevrolet their three wins. Ford is in second place in the manufacturer standings. They have two wins and 211 points. Their two wins comes from one of few teams there, one or two, I believe, of Fords, uh, but this led both of them coming from Austin Sindrick in the season opener uh, at Daytona, and then most recently here at Phoenix Raceway. Toyota, that though, season is third opener was one. at Phoenix, <laughs> not Daytona. You said the season opener at Daytona. Yeah, they opened at Daytona. Okay, the, the two Ford wins series. came from Austin Sindrick in the season opener. Okay. At Daytona, and then at, uh, at Daytona. most recently at Phoenix. So that's a misprint, I guess. Yeah. Um, Toyota is in third there in points at 214. Uh, they have one win. Their win came from Ty Gibbs at the Daytona Road Course. So, again, pretty even. Uh, I know parity has been a word thrown out there seeing that most relevantly here in the Xfinity Series. Oh, okay. It's the season opener and Pat Phoenix Raceway. His two wins yeah. came in the season opener and at Phoenix, you said at Daytona. 
Okay. So, okay. So let's go ahead and get into the Sunoco uh, Rookie of the Year update. Uh, the Joe Gibbs Racing, uh, Ty Gibbs is still leading the charge in the Sunoco Rookie of the Year standings for the Xfinity Series. He won two awards and has 88 points. He's made two starts this year, including his first Xfinity Series start of his career, and he walked away with a win at the Daytona Road Course. His second start was at Phoenix Raceway, where he finished second from the 27th starting position. Then Josh Berry is second in the rookie standings with 79 points and one award, and Barry has made five starts for Junior Motorsports this season and has a best finish of, 20, of seventh at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Unfortunately, though, for Barry, he's been a victim of some on-track incidents resulting in the 38th-place finish last week at Atlanta and then a 36th-place finish at Phoenix the week before. Of his five starts, he has three DNFs. So Ryan Vargas is third in the rookie standings with 60 points and three awards. Vargas ran in all six races so far this season and has a best finish of 18th in the season opener at Daytona. Jordan Anderson and Sam, who both have declared for rookie points this year, have not yet made a start, so they're currently fourth and fifth in the rookie standings. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that there's no qualifying, and because they're so far back, they're not able to uh, enter these races. So uh, I think when is the next time that they get to race, Jay? It was the Talladega or is it further down the line? Oh, wow. For the, yeah, I'm trying to think for the Xfinity Series. I don't know off the top of my head. I know they only have like six or seven times where they are qualifying throughout the year for this year. So uh, unfortunate situation for Jordan Anderson more than Sam Mayer. Sam Mayer is, is waiting on uh, turning 18 and splitting that ride with Josh Berry yeah. uh, in the second half of the season. So his is a little bit different circumstances. The way it played out, it was unfortunate for uh, Jordan Anderson uh, with the way it has played out this year. Uh, again, following yeah. some uh, protocol for a COVID-19 protocol yet for this year. Without a doubt. Uh, but let's talk about the Xfinity Series playing in dirt. All right. Well, we're going to take a look at the playoff. Uh, I'll cover the bottom here with the playoff outlook following Atlanta. And that you cover uh, the top portion there about specifically on okay. the, uh, the dirt at Bristol. Uh, Austin Sindrick okay. mentioned it, it has two wins already, uh, so is currently locked into the playoffs with a total of 14 playoff wins. Uh, he also has four stage wins. That white above there is really tough to see. <laughs> A.J. Allmendinger, uh, Austin Sindrick's total points is 277. A.J. Allmendinger, 194 points, has one win and one stage win, gives him a total of six playoff wins, or I'm sorry, six playoff points. Minot Schneider, 179, has the one win for five playoff points. Justin Algar, another one that most recently picked up the victory, he's got the one win, no play or no stage wins though, for five playoff points. Then you have Daniel Hemrick, the first one with no wins. 231 points, but doesn't have the win to lock himself in as of yet. 
uh, does have two stage wins, which equates to two playoff wins. Harrison Burton is at 212. Uh, he has no points across the board. Neither does Justin Haley at 193, although it does show him having one. Uh, they are currently 97, 78, and 59 points above the cut line, respectively. Uh, Jeb, Jeb Burton, 187 points, is 53 up. Jeremy Clements, 165, is 31 up. Brandon Jones, 155. Now, he does have a stage win for one playoff point, 21 points ahead. Brandon Brown, having a great start to the season. He worked his way in last time. This time he's in, going to have to maintain that. 142 points. He's currently eight points above the line. 12th spot currently belongs to Riley Herbst at 135, and that's a one-point difference. Michael Annette sits at 134. And you got Noah Gregston starting to get his season back on track, currently at 114 points in the 14th position, is 21 back. And Landon Castle at 112 is 23 points back. So there's your top 15 looking to get in the top 12. Now with five different race winners so far in 2021 and four drivers already locked into the NASCAR Xfinity Series playoffs, there's a lot of shakeups each week we talk about in this playoff picture. Allgaier, Justin Allgaier, took the fourth playoff spot with his win in Atlanta over the weekend, joining Austin Sendrick, A.J. Allmendinger, and Myatt Schneider on the list of winners going into the postseason. And Daniel Hemrick has stayed consistent and keeps that highest playoff, sport, uh, playoff spot without a win and mentioned 97 points up, two stage wins, which equates to the two playoff points. In terms of the biggest surprise in this playoff outlook so far, two drivers are standing out. Uh, Jeremy Clements has been in the top 12 for most of the season and showing speed all year long for that small one-car team of Jeremy Clements racing. It's a huge deal to them. Uh, Clements currently 31 points above the cut line. And then I mentioned Brandon Brown, who uh, it's same goes for them, and Brandon built Motorsports having a career season and got a career best finish of third at Phoenix Raceway. In total, Brown has made six starts this season, posting one top five and three top ten finishes, currently eight points above that cut line. So a lot to watch there in the Xfinity Series. I know we've got to wait a little bit till Martinsville. And Martinsville will be exciting to watch without any doubt. Okay, now let's talk about the Xfinity Series drivers uh, racing, uh, playing on dirt. Uh, despite the Xfinity Series having the weekend off, there are three series drivers, Maya Snyder, Ty Dillon, and Cody Ware, with their championship eligibility selected for the Xfinity Series this season. They are also entered this weekend to take on the high banks of the Bristol Motor Speedway dirt track. Richard Childress Racing's Matt Snyder is having a breakout season in his Xfinity Series career, having posted his first win and clinching a spot in the playoffs already this season. Now, he's seventh in the standings at 98 points behind Austin Sendrick in the uh, points, who is in the points lead. This weekend, Snyder will be competing in the Camping World Truck Series race. Uh, and he will be competing for Rayon Brothers in the number 33 Chevrolet. 
Snyder is no stranger to racing on dirt in the truck series because he does have that one start at Eldora Speedway in 2018 when he started 15th but finished in 20th place. Then on Sunday, keep an eye out for Joe Gibbs Racing's Ty Dillon and Rick Rare Racing's Cody Ware as both of those drivers are attempting to compete in the Cup Series race at the Bristol Dirt Track. Though both drivers are running part-time schedules in the Xfinity Series, both have selected to run for a title in the series. Dylan has made three starts this season for Joe Gibbs Racing in the Xfinity Series, where he's posted a best finish of 14th place in the season opener at Daytona. Now, Dylan is currently 36 in the series driver standings, and this weekend, Dylan will be piloting the number 96 Scott Brothers Racing Toyota. Dylan has quite a bit of experience on dirt. He does. He did make five NASCAR Camping World Truck Series starts at, at the Eldora Speedway, where he posted one top five and two top tens. Much like Dylan, Ware has made just three starts this season for Rick Ware Racing in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, posting a best finish of 23rd just last weekend at Atlanta. Ware is right now 43rd in the Xfinity Series point standings, and this weekend Ware will once again be driving for Petty Ware Racing in number 51 Chevrolet. This weekend is Ware's first time competing in the NASCAR National Series race, on dirt. So uh, we've got uh, a few drivers to look forward to there from the Xfinity Series that will be racing on dirt this weekend. And we'll see how that dirt experience uh, plays out here. Uh, we've been talking about a lot about points and dirt, though. Let's talk about some money. The Dash for Cash. Yes. Uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series Dash for Cash program was designed to add elements of unpredictability and drama leading up to and during four designated races, increase on-track competition, engage fans, and reward recognized NASCAR Xfinity Series regular competitors. Now, the NASCAR Xfinity Series Dash for Cash will take place at four tracks here in 2021, starting with our next race at Martinsville Speedway on April 9th. Uh, the drivers that will be competing in that Dash for Cash race will be Justin Algar of the number seven junior motorsport Chevrolet, Harrison Burton in the number 20 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota, Noah Gregson in the number nine junior, Mo- junior motorsport Chevrolet, and A.J. Allmendinger in the number 16 college racing Chevrolet. The next three events will be Talladega Super Speedway on April 24th, Darlington Raceway on May 8th, and Dover Speedway on May 15th. Now, for fans that might not be familiar, uh, the previous race here, the March 20th race at Atlanta Motor Speedway, was the initial qualifier for the 2021 Dash for Cash program. The top four full-time finishers in that Atlanta race were uh, qualified them for the race on Martinsville Speedway on April 9th, and I mentioned those as they, they were. Uh, then from there, the first of the four Dash for Cash competitors to finish at Martinsville Speedway will win the $100,000 bonus, and the top finishers 
the Dash for Cash winner and the next three highest finishing full-time NASCAR Xfinity Series drivers will then qualify for the next round of the Dash for Cash program at Talladega. That format will continue through Darlington and Dover. And I know the Truck Series started something uh, similar to this with the Triple Truck Challenge. Again, great program here within the Xfinity Series. Yeah, I really look forward to the Dash for Cash every year, so I'm sure we won't be disappointed again. Uh, We won't be disappointed uh, with this program. Okay, now Atlanta didn't disappoint us either. Last Saturday, the Xfinity Series race at Atlanta Motor Speedway was two hours, 10 minutes, and 50 seconds long, with an average speed of 115.117 miles per hour that culminated in junior motorsports driver Justin Algauer beating second-place finisher and 2017 NASCAR Cup Series champion Martin Truex Jr. by 1.449 seconds. Truex won both stages in his first race in the Xfinity Series since 2010, and he led a race-high 103 laps, but it wasn't enough to hold off Justin Aldauer. Harrison Burton, Noah Gregson, and A.J. Allmendinger round out the top five there. Uh, Burton, Gregson, Allmendinger, along with Algauer, all became the Dash for Cash qualifiers as the four highest finishing full-time drivers in the race at Atlanta. Now, the Xfinity Series does have a break this weekend as the Cup Series and Camping World Truck Series head to Bristol Motor Speedway's dirt track. The next weekend the sport is off in observance of the Easter holiday, so the series has quite a break to get everything in order. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, the Cookout 250 at Martinsville Speedway is taking place Friday, October the, I'm sorry, April the 9th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So um, this is pretty cool that this Atlanta race sets the uh, four drivers for the first dash for cash wins. And uh, it was really great to see Justin Algauer get that win at Atlanta and qualify for the playoffs. Jay, do we still have you? Jay had to call back in. Okay, I've got you back in the queue here, Jay. Yeah, I was just trying to message you. I was like, I didn't know if you noticed or not. I did have to call back in, <laughs> so uh, back in business. Uh, Justin Augar also back in business as he turns his season around with a victory at Atlanta. Uh, the 2021 now. Uh-oh, we lost you again. Jay? Okay, we can't hear Jay. So he's going to probably call back in here. Uh, I'll give him just another second or two to call back in. If we don't hear from him, then I'll go ahead and get into that. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and get into what he was just talking about there. Justin Algar didn't start out the way that he had hoped. In five races, the driver of the number seven junior motorsports Chevrolet had only one top ten finish. Algar had been involved in various on-track incidents and started the season at Daytona by starting second and finishing 28th. 
But he turned that all around last weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway uh, by winning the race and taking home his first victory of the season while punching his ticket to the playoffs. Jay is here now, so I'm going to see if he can finish this off. I just read the first paragraph, Jay, if you want to continue with the next. All right. The win marked the 15th victory of Algar's career. Uh, the veteran driver has an extra two weeks now mentioned to enjoy the spoils of that win and regroup for this next weekend at Martinsville Speedway on April 9th, a uh, track he made his series debut at last season and finished second. Okay. So, again, I'm just really happy to see Justin Algar, Algar get that win. He's worked really hard for that. Uh, and uh, it was good to see him kind of right the ship, if you will, and uh, put his put his uh, name into the hat for the playoffs this year in the uh, Xfinity Series. Well, and I know we talked about it on a couple different levels. Hopefully that's across the board there at Junior Motorsports. Uh, they've kind of had an up-and-down wave season uh, across all four teams, so hopefully that spreads throughout the entire organization. Yes, indeed. Okay, well, let's go ahead and move on to the NASCAR Cup Series Food City Dirt Race at Bristol Motor Speedway Dirt on Sunday, March the 28th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, this race will have pre-race coverage on Fox starting at 2 p.m. and radio coverage on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They will be racing a distance of 125 miles over 250 laps. Stage 1 ends on lap 75, stage 2 on lap 150, and the final stage ends on the last lap, lap 250. So there is a lot to talk about here, Jay, so let's go ahead and get started uh, with our uh, with the uh, milestones to watch for this weekend. Yeah, certainly got a lot of notes here. The milestones to watch, we talked about this last week a little bit. Truicks and Bush are racing for 10,000 laps led. Those two drivers are looking to become the 19th and 20th different all-time, different drivers all-time in the NASCAR Cup Series to lead 10,000 laps in their career. Martin Truex Jr. for Joe Gibbs Racing, currently has 9,963 laps led, just 37 shy of reaching that 10,000 lap goal. And then Chip Ganassi Racing's Kurt Busch is not far behind Truex with 9,905, uh, leaving him 95 laps shy. Okay. Now, there are seven Cup Series drivers that are attempting to compete in the Truck Series race this weekend on the dirt track at Bristol. Those drivers include Daniel Suarez, Chase Briscoe, Bubba Wallace, Kevin Harvick, Ryan Newman, Kyle Larson, and Martin Truex Jr. They are all entered in both races this weekend. So, look out, world. Well, and there were some other additions there, uh, Cup Stars in the Carl Customs Bristol Dirt Nationals. Uh, headlined by the powerful Dirt Super Late Models, the Carl Customs Bristol Dirt Nationals, which took place this, uh, what, March 15th through the 20th, uh, provided fans with that first look at the Bristol Motor Speedway dirt track, which featured 19 degrees of banking in the corners and a 50-foot-wide racing surface. 
NASCAR Cup Series stars Kyle Busch, Austin Dillon, Kyle Larson, Joey Logano, Chase Elliott, and Corey LaJoy were all among drivers who entered the uh, Carl Customs Dirt Nationals in at least one of the eight different classes of competition. The NASCAR drivers used the event to prepare for this weekend's historic Food City Dirt Race. Uh, so a couple of them had some great finishes. I know Austin Dillon picked up, I think, two victories up there. So keep your eye on him. Okay. Now we have a rising country star, Larry Fleet, is going to perform prior to the Food City Dirt Race. So he's been praised by CMT as a rising country artist with a rich, bluesy voice. Larry Fleet has struck a major chord with fans this weekend as he will be performing in the pre-race concert at Bristol prior to the start of the historic Food City Dirt Race. The one-time construction worker who was discovered by fellow country artist Jake Owen in 2017 while playing at a friend's backyard party. Fleet will take the stage at the Sugarlands Roof uh, turn four on the track's infield at approximately 2.30 p.m., safely distanced away from fans and participants. Fleet's first single, Where I Find God, recently hit the airways to critical acclaim and followed the success of his first album, Working Hard, which was released in November of 2019 on Big Love Records. His performance at Bristol will be his first ever at a NASCAR event. So uh, some music to look forward to for fans this weekend. Well, and that's great to see again, being that we have fans back at the track. Another great thing we love to see, drivers making their Cup Series debut. Uh, mentioned this earlier from the Truck Series, Stuart Friesen will race the number 77 Spire Motorsports for his Cup Day de- career debut at Bristol Dirt. They announced last week that Stuart Friesen will drive that number 77 car on the dirt at Bristol Motor Speedway here on March 28th with Helmar International as their primary sponsor. The car will be adorned in uh, Friesen's traditional Halmar collars and prepared for competition by Spire and led by crew chief Kevin Bellacourt. Now, Friesen will have a full schedule uh, on the Bristol Dirt this spring. In addition to the NASCAR Cup Series Food City Dirt Race on March 28th, uh, Friesen will be competing in the Camping World NASCAR Camping World Trucks Hinties Truck Race on Dirt March 27th. The World Outlaws Late Model Series Bristol Bash on April 9th and 10th, as well as the Super Dirt Car Series Big Block Modifieds, which will be on April 23rd and 24th. So if they ever do this again, he might be the one to have the most experience. <laughs> I uh, think so. Friesen, has, who has over 330 career wins in dirt modified racing, won the last time the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series raced on dirt, and that was at Eldora in 2019. So, again, got to throw his name in there. Uh, We'll see how it plays out, but he's got to be considered at least a semi-favorite. Yes, I would definitely agree. Uh, But another driver to uh, take a look at is Ryan Blaney, as he quickly adds his name to the playoffs, an all-star list. 
For the first time in his Cup Series career at Team Penske, Ryan Blaney is the first of the three Penske drivers to get a win during a season and in the process has now locked himself into the playoffs for the Cup Series All-Star Race at Texas Motor Speedway on June the 13th. Prior to this season's win coming in just the sixth race of the year, the earliest in the season he has won was 13th place at of last season at Talladega Super Speedway. Plus, his win last week at Atlanta marks the fifth consecutive season for the High Point North Carolina native to win in the Cup Series from 2017 to 2021. Now Bellini is ranked seventh in the Cup Series driver standings. He's 83 points behind Denny Hamlin, in the, who is in the Series points lead. Looking ahead to this weekend on dirt, Blaney's father, Dave Blaney, is a very successful dirt racer, earning the name of Buckeye Bullet. Ryan Blaney is one of 17 drivers that competed in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series at Eldora. He's made two starts, posting an average finish of 9.0. So we'll see if his dad's uh, dirt racing experience rubs off on Ryan this weekend. Well, we've had six different winners in six races, but it's Denny Hamlin's consistent pace that has him out front. Joe Gibbs Racing driver Denny Hamlin has set sail on the competition in the NASCAR Cup Series driver standings. The Chesterfield, Chesterfield Virginia native is currently leading the series driver standing points uh, by 43 over second place Kyle Larson after he posted his fifth top five finish in the six races of the year. No Hamlin has yet to visit Victory Lane, as I mentioned, this season. He has been super consistent and leads the series in top fives, as I mentioned, five of them, and tied for the series' most top tens with five, along with Kyle Larson and Kevin Harvick. Now, this will be Hamlin's first time competing on a dirt track in NASCAR's National Series event, but he has found success on the paved Bristol track posting two wins coming in 2012 and 2019. So, again, there's so many elements here. Good track for him. We'll have to see how it is with the dirt on it. Yes, indeed. Well, let's talk about Larson's luck. Last week was a heartbreaker, but this week I think he's going to be a soul shaker and one of the favorites. So last Sunday, Kyle Larson suffered a heartbreaking runner-up finish to Ryan Blaney at Atlanta Motor Speedway after dominating the event and winning the first two stages. It was the fourth time in Larson's career that he's won the first two stages of a race but wasn't able to bring home the checkered flag. Now the 28-year-old is looking to build on the early season strength and win the first Cup Series race on dirt in more than 50 years. A lot of drivers have raced on dirt before, making their way to the NASCAR Cup Series, but none have come with such prestige, built on the success from dirt racing as Hendrick Motorsports driver Kyle Larson. From Elk Grove, California, he's built an extensive and impressive racing resume with more than 250 career race wins. In fact, he's won in every racing series that he's competed in the NASCAR Cup Camping World Trucks, KNN East and West, ARCA Sprint Car Midgets, Silver Crown, Late Model, and IMSA. 
Most notably, Larson has earned seven victories in the NASCAR Cup Series and won the prestigious Chili Bowl Midget Nationals twice in 2020 and again in 2021. The NASCAR All-Star Race in 2019, the Rolex 24 at Daytona in 2015. He also won the 2011 Four Crown Nationals at Eldora Speedway, winning in all three types of USAC cars in a single night, only the second driver in history to accomplish that feat. But Larson's legend doesn't end there. In 2020, he turned in one of the most impressive years in the history of dirt track racing. While primarily driving sprint cars, he racked up an incredible 46 victories in 97 attempts. Larson led the World of Outlaws Sprint Car Series in victories with 12, despite competing in only 26 of the 54 events. He also secured his first Lucas Oil Dirt uh, Late Model Series win. So Larson has also competed in three NASCAR Camping World Truck Series races at Eldora Speedway, posting a win in 2016 with an average finish of 9.67. So uh, Larson's definitely one I'm keeping my eye on this weekend. Well, when we talk about that, there are some names that pop to the top of your head. But we're going to look at uh, some other cup drivers who have delved into the dirt before. Uh, when we start to think about that of drivers in the cup series that have cut their teeth on dirt tracks across the, the country, a few names like Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, Tyler Reddick, and Chase Briscoe are the ones that jump to the forefront. But what might be surprising is several drivers that have dabbled in dirt over the years, and this weekend could be the opportunity they're looking for to showcase their skills and get to victory lane. Uh, six of the seven winners from that NASCAR Camping World Truck Series races at Eldora Speedway are entered this weekend. We hit them, Austin Dillon in 2013, Bubba Wallace in 14, Christopher Bell in 15, Kyle Larson in 16, Chase Briscoe in 18, and again making his NASCAR Cup Series debut this weekend, Stuart Friesen did it in 2019. Matt Crafton won the Eldora race in 2017, but is not entered in the Cup race this Sunday. Uh, in total, 17 drivers entered into this weekend's Food City Dirt Race at Bristol Motor Speedway Dirt Track have competed on the dirt at Eldora Speedway in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, which again ran from 2013 to 19. We'll look at that. Uh, Chase Briscoe, uh, three starts at an average finish of 3.667. Bubba Wallace was next with an average finish of 4.0 and two starts. Christopher Bell, another 4.0 average finish with three starts. Austin Dillon, 5.667 in three starts. Tyler Reddick made three as well, 6.333. Stuart Friesen, one of the top there uh, with four starts, an 8.5 average finish. Mentioned Blaney at 9.0 in two starts. Kyle Larson with his three starts at 9.667. Ty Dillon had five starts. That is the most, uh, 10.8 on his average finish. Ross Jastain, 12.0, made only one start, as well as William Byron at a 14.0. Chris Windham, we'll talk about a little bit about him, 16.5, has made two starts. Eric Jones made two starts, 16.5, as well as Ryan Newman, 
with the same average. Two starts of 16.5. You have Cole Custer, two starts of 17.5. Then J.J. Yaley at 21 and Brad Keselowski at 28.0, both with one start. Now, one driver that shined every time he got behind the wheel at the Eldora Speedway was Stuart Haas Racing's Chase Briscoe. Not only does the 2021 Sunoco Rookie of the Year candidate have a win there in 2018, leads all the active cup drivers with previous starts at Eldora, and that average finish of 3.667 in three starts. And dirt racing is in Chase Briscoe's blood. His grandfather, Richard Briscoe, was a sprint car owner, builder, and crew chief who fielded cars for legendary drivers such as Chuck Amati, Dave Blaney, mentioned the Buckeye Bullet, Dick Gaines, Jack Hewitt, uh, Steve Kinzer, and Rich Vogler. Plus, Briscoe's father, Kevin Briscoe, race sprint cars for more than 20 years and won more than 150 feature events. He claimed track championships at Tri-State Speedway in Hobstadt, Indiana, and Bloomington uh, Speedway, which is also in Indiana, five times, including one a streak of three consecutive. Briscoe began racing sprint cars full-time in 2008, and he won the final race of the season at Paragon Speedway, his first win in a 410 sprint car. The victory was a, record, a record-breaking at 13 years old as he became the youngest driver to win in a 410 sprint car, supplementing the previous record holder, NASCAR Hall of Famer Jeff Gordon. Gordon was 14 when he did it. From there, Briscoe moved uh, on to the wing and non-winged mini sprint divisions in 2016, won the Tulsa shootout in both. In 20, or I'm sorry, since 2015, he has regularly competed at the Chili Bowl Nationals. Now, some other faces to keep an eye on, though, this weekend. Uh, again, Spire Motorsports' Stuart Friesen, Rick Ware Racing's Chris Windham, and Live Fast Motorsports' Shane Golobic, all which are ma- have mastered uh, their driving talents on dirt. We talked about Friesen. He'll be piloting the number 77 Spire Motorsports Chevrolet, for his series debut this weekend. He's the most recent winner at Eldora in the Camping World Truck Series in 2019. He's a native of Niagara-on-the-Lake, Ontario, and is a decorated standout of dirt modifieds and sprint cars with a total of over 330 victories in dirt race uh, career, stretching back to 1999. Friesen won the Short Track Super Series North and South Championship in 2020. One you might not know as much about, Shane Golobic, a Fremont, California native, is an accomplished winged and non-winged sprint car midget racer. He's 25 years old, a very talented young driver with the ability to adapt to various racing surfaces and cars. He's made three Arkham Menard Series West starts, posting two top ten finishes. He's also a World Outlaw feature winner, USAC National Midget feature winner in 2016, Trophy Cup champion, 2014 Civil War Series champion, 2012 and 14 the Ocean Speedway champion, 2009 Callistico Speedway champion, has claimed a total of over 45 career feature wins. Golobic will be driving the number 78 Live Fast Motorsports for this weekend. The other one I mentioned, Chris Windham. Uh, Canton, Illinois native, was the seventh driver to complete 
a United States Auto Club or USAC Triple Crown by winning titles in Sprint Cars, Midget Cars, and the Silver Crown. Uh, similar stats there to Jeff Gordon as well. Uh, Wyndham won the 2017 USAC National Sprint Car Championship, the 2016 USAC Silver Crown Championship, and the 2020 National Midget Car Championship. He is also a two-time Indiana Sprint Week uh, in 2011 and 2018, and the Eastern Storm Champion in 17 and 18. And he's also a two-time winner of the Little 500 in 2011 and 15. And Wyndham has made a seven, total of seven career starts in the Arkham Menard Series between 2011 and 2015, posting two top five and five top tens. He also made five career starts in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, including the two starts you mentioned at Eldora Speedway, where he posted a best finish of 14th. Okay. We'll do some summarizing in these next two segments. The streak continues six different winners in the first six Cup Series race, uh, starting with Kyle Larson at Hendrick Motorsports dominated at Atlanta last weekend and looked to be ending his Cup Series uh, different winner streak that had been running through the first five races this year. But in the closing laps of Atlanta, Team Penske's Ryan uh, Blaney cast Larson to keep that streak alive, making the 2021 season the eighth different year to start with six different winners in victory lane, joining 2014, 3-1-2000, 1991, 86, and 84. Now the Cup Series is heading to the wild card of wild cards, the Bristol Motor Speedway dirt track, to see if the streak can make it to seven different winners. Only four seasons in the Cup Series modern era from 72 to the present have started with seven different winners. That was in 14, 3, 2000, and in 1991. The modern era record of different winners to start a Cup Series season is 10. Set back in 2000, Dale Earnhardt Jr. snapped the streak, winning his second race of that season at Richmond Raceway in race number 11. Uh, Let me see here. We've got uh, race winners. Uh, Race number one, Dale Jarrett. This is in the year 2000. The 10 different winners were Dale Jarrett at Daytona, Bobby Labonte at Rockingham, Jeff Burton in Las Vegas, Dale Earnhardt at Atlanta, Ward Burton at Darlington, Rusty Wallace at Bristol, Dale Earnhardt Jr. at Texas, Mark Martin at Martinsville, that seems appropriate, Jeff Gordon at Talladega, and Jeremy Mayfield at Auto Club Speedway. In the modern era, again, from 72 to 21, the record for the most different Cup Series winners in a single season in its entirety is 19, set back in 2001. The series has also seen a total of 18 different winners, the second most in a single season twice, in 2002 and in 2011. Last season, the series produced 13 different winners. All right, when we look at the format here for the uh, Cup Series, the same as the Truck Series we mentioned, 
the Heat Race starting lineup, random draw uh, based on owner points. They're out there already if you want to research either on Twitter or jsky.com. Qualifying races, 15 laps each with only green flags lap being counted, no overtime rule, free pass and uh, wave roundup procedures in effect. And then we talked about the passing points. They're the same. They'll accumulate uh, points for moving forward plus their finishing points. A tiebreaker will go in owner points. Uh, for the feature, lineup will be based on that combined points, the heat race finishing position and passing points. 250 laps divided into three stages that we broke down earlier. They will be frozen at the end of each stage, and then during the stage is where you can make your tire changes, fuel, and adjustments, and none other during that. The other additional event highlights, the choose rule will not be in effect uh, for the Bristol Dirt Race, but the overtime rules, free pass, and wave round for the feature will be. Okay. That sums it up, I guess, for the – well, we do have one more. Getting dirty, more than 50 years since NASCAR Cup Series has competed on dirt. Again, that information is on JSKIs if you want to look that up uh, because we are approaching the top of the hour here, uh, and that means that it's going to be time for our NASCAR Hot Topic sound off. Sound off. Suffice it to say, there was a lot to look forward to uh, with, as it relates to NASCAR racing on dirt at Bristol Motor Speedway this weekend. And uh, uh, there's some interesting stats here about uh, the September 30th of 1970 North Carolina State Fairgrounds race at Raleigh, North Carolina. So check that out, out over at Jayskis. And uh, we're going to go ahead and move on now to our hot topics for tonight. And joining us for that discussion is Tommy Kraft. So, Tommy, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me back. I'm excited. Yeah, I am too. Uh, we're gonna, we've are gonna. we been doing a lot of talking, so uh, I'm going to ask you to give us a little bit of a break and kick us off with the first hot topic. <laughs> okay. Um Let's do uh let's do the how they're not racing at Chicago land, but they're gonna do the Chicago street course in i racing. Okay, in i racing with an idea of maybe doing that in life. Uh so Jay, what are your thoughts about that? A lot of varying thoughts there. I racing, great idea kind of get an idea of it, the format, and, and how it might play out. I know we've talked about this or the possibility of it being something that the Cup Series might look at or any of NASCAR's top three national series down the road in the future. So I'm still not sure I'm sold on that, but, uh, again, NASCAR is open. I mean, they are looking uh, at different different things and new ideas. I do like the idea that putting it out on iRacing first just kind of as a test run I think is a great idea. See how that plays out. But again, I'm not completely sold on the on the full transformation from i racing to uh, on track. So we'll have to see how that uh, plays out first off. And I do like the the idea that Chicago, being that Chicagoland uh, Speedway lost their race this year, and we don't know what the future of it holds. 
of maybe bringing something back to that Midwestern, Midwestern area of Chicago. So some good and bad of that as I see it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. I, I'm like you. I think it's a good idea that they are uh, checking it on iRacing first so we can kind of get an eye to uh, exactly where this is going to take place in Chicago. Uh, but uh, uh, it, it's uh, going to be interesting to see how they work this out in Chicago as well. Uh, I know that... Uh, you know, they've said that we're not going to be racing at uh, Chicago Motor Speedway uh, or Chicagoland Speedway, I guess I should say. But, uh, uh, you know, they're talking about uh, Soldier Field and and uh, some of the landmarks in Chicago being part of this iRacing road course uh, on the street race. And uh, I'm just wondering how they're going to reroute all the traffic to make this happen. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this works. It's one thing to make it work in iRacing, but it's an entirely different thing uh, to make it work when you come to uh, the real-life racing of a Cup Series event and, and accommodating all the fans. So, uh, Tommy, what are your thoughts about that? I'm, well, I'm excited to see the iRacing part of it. I actually feel like the iRacing is kind of interesting, and, um, you know, William Byron is really good at it. And I like how they throw it, but Junior's always in it. Cause, I mean, he he's really into the iRacing stuff. He even basically is an advisor to uh, iRacing also. So, But I'm excited for the Chicago land, or, I mean, the Chicago street course, um, in the iRacing, but I'm really interested to see how they would pull it off if they did do it um, on a future schedule in, in a couple of years. Because that was my first thought, too, was how would they route the traffic and all that. I mean, I'm sure it could be done, but that would be really interesting. And I like how they picked Chicago because there's not really, besides like Kansas now, there's not really much more racing, but they don't do Iowa anymore in the bush, and they don't do uh, Chicagoland anymore in the cup, so, and I feel like they should have at least one more race somewhere in the Midwest. Okay, Jay, your follow-up? Well, we've seen other series, I believe it's the IndyCar series, uh, as well as Formula One, that do these road course uh uh, circuits like this in, in some of your cities, so it can be done. Again, I don't know what the difference for the cup level to do it. Uh, I know that when they talked about it on, on Race Hub, Clint Boyer uh, made some funny comments of if you jump the cushion or rub the wall, if that means you're in Fred's living room, <laughs> uh, kind of funny segment there. But they can they can do it, uh, you know, and for your bigger cities, yeah, uh, it's a trade off of you're obviously going to block traffic and kind of shut the city down, at least for parts of it. But the, what it brings into the city as far as an economic boost, just as with Bristol with this dirt race, you know, what's the trade-off? Uh, I guess it depends on whether or not you're a race fan or NASCAR fan or IndyCar or whoever's doing it. Um, for the for the cup cars, I think one of the biggest things that I'm sure NASCAR is going to look at, we put the, made the bump in road course races this year, 
some of them, uh, the Coda being specifically that maybe the cup cars aren't designed specifically for, that would be similar to what I would say a road course or a street circuit like that is, is how these cup cars are going to handle it uh, because that's not what they were designed for. So uh, I think we're, if they're looking at it to put it on the schedule as an actual race, we're looking at a couple of years down the road because of the, the development and planning that would need to go into it. Uh, again, this iRacing, good testing ground for it. Uh, you'll play around with the setups and see how much changes it does take on a cup car uh, and move from there. Uh, it's intriguing. Again, I'm not, I'm not going to say it would be my fa- favorite thing to, to see, but I don't know. I, we'll have to see again how they handle the, the Coda circuit because I think that's going to be a telltale sign, truthfully. Okay, and I am looking forward to that Coda race. Uh, I will say, as I look at what the course is going to look like, uh, NASCAR and iRacing will unveil the Chicago Street Course race that runs through Grant Park just north of Soldier Field for the E-NASCAR iRacing Pro Invitational Series race on June the 2nd on Fox Sports 1. So fans will get a chance to see it. The course is going to run in some of Chicago's most famous streets. One of my favorite roads to drive on, Lakeshore Drive, uh, Michigan Avenue, and Columbus Avenue. So uh, I always, to me, driving on Lakeshore Drive is is kind of a fun fun route to take, and uh, I'm sure it's going to be fun for race fans. Uh, to kind of watch this event as it unfolds, if it does unfold on that road course uh, in in the Cup Series. Uh, but we'll get a chance to preview it on June the 2nd with this invitational iRacing event, and I think uh, it, it's going to be interesting. I think you're right, Jay. I think Coda uh, is maybe going to uh, play a part in this and seeing how, much, how many fans uh, are going to show an interest in that type of racing at the uh, Circuit of the Americas down in Texas. Uh, So uh, they're working with the mayor of the city of Chicago. Uh, They're working with, uh, uh, you know, some of the the bigger event planners in that, in uh, Chicago. And uh, I think, uh, I think this is going to be a really uh, interesting uh, thought. Uh, for race fans as this continues to unfold. Ben Kennedy, uh, NASCAR's vice president who handles uh, NASCAR's scheduling initiative, has been a real big part of this. And uh, I, I do think uh, if anybody can make that happen, uh, Ben Kennedy has done a lot uh, when it comes to this type of thing. Uh, and also uh, looking at it from the Chicago perspective, NASCAR is working with a specialized marketing group that's incorporated in Chicago as well to put together the potential street race if it should happen. So um, uh, there's, there's, they're already talking to some of the main players here about making this happen. So I can't wait to see if it does indeed happen. And I agree with you, Tommy. If they're not going to have it at Chicagoland Speedway, I'm glad that they're thinking of something like this as an alternative. So, Tommy, what are your final thoughts here? I'm actually kind of glad that they're considering doing, like, a street course race, uh, kind of like how the, like Jay said, how, like, the IndyCar series does it. 
So, but I know they got the next gen car coming out next year, which is supposed to look more like a street car. So, I mean, it makes sense that they want to experiment with this. So, I'm excited to see what it looks like on the iRacing. And, um, but I'm really excited for Coda as well. I can't wait for that. And um, uh, right after Bristol, of course, I'm ready to get, once we get Bristol out of the way, then I'll be excited for Talladega, then Coda. But, yeah, I'm really excited for Coda for sure. But, um, yeah, I'm glad that they're considering putting this street course in somewhere in the Midwest. So uh, I'm excited. I, I, hope that, uh, I hope it works out. Yeah, we'll, we'll, I can't wait for that preview of the iRacing event. Okay, so, Jay, what's your next topic? Well, as I said, I was scrolling down the board here we have on our group. Um, I hadn't put any up and I was going to pick a, one that interests me the most, but I backed up a little bit. Since Mike can't be on and me and him don't always see eye to eye, I'll bring one forward on his behalf. Uh, it says, two or three years ago, would Larson have finished P2 after being passed late in the race in which he dominated? Oh, I thought we talked about this one already uh, on Monday night, but uh, let's go ahead and talk about it, Tommy, and get your thoughts about that. Well, what I remember the most is uh, a couple years back when him and Kyle Busch were going at it in Kansas. So I would say the new Kyle Larson is patient and um, it will not wreck out and will finish second. And he's only going to get better at Hendrick, too. But a couple years back, yeah, he would have been battling Blaney harder to get a win for sure and probably would have put it in the wall and not put it in the top five or ten probably in in that effort. But – yeah, he's he might be the first repeat winner of 2021, I think. I think him and Martin Turex have the best opportunity to do that. Yeah, a lot can change between now and the playoffs, but at this stage of the game, you have to put Kyle Larson up there as one of the top contenders for the championship this year. Now, I think the difference between him competing three years ago and competing now and something that we did talk about is that he's in different equipment. He was in uh, Chip Ganassi racing cars uh, three years ago, and he was getting more out of those cars than what they had to give. Uh, so he was racing a lot harder uh, in those cars than what I think he's racing in Hendrick Motorsports equipment this year. So uh, I think that in this equipment and what they're doing at Hendrick Motorsports this year, it makes it a lot easier for Kyle Larson to compete for those wins. Even though he lost to Ryan Blaney, uh, last week at Atlanta Motor Speedway, uh, I think the equipment is going to carry him through this season, and he's not going to have to push his car like he had to push his car uh, in the number 42 car with uh, CG uh, with CGR. So I think that's the primary difference. Uh, yeah, he's matured a little bit more, but I think I think the car makes more of a difference in this case. Uh, than his maturity. So, Jay, I'm curious to know your thoughts. Well, and I do apologize. That might have been one you guys covered uh, Monday night there uh, as I lost service and wasn't able to uh, be on the last 10 minutes. So uh, Uh, I didn't catch that as far as that. Um, It it is interesting. I think it's a combination of what you both have mentioned. I do think he has matured, 
uh, and become a better driver. Uh, I don't know if the year or two in dirt uh, changed that, going back full-time to the dirt. Um, but I do think the equipment, like you mentioned, Sharon, and Tommy did as well, that even if he does push it, it's not pushing it beyond the limits of the car, which maybe it was happening at CJR, that he was already at the max uh, end of the, the ability of, of the car. So I think it is a combination of the two. I think we have seen that, his maturity level, uh, the growth he has made as a person over the past two years is definitely there. And then again with the equipment. And we're talking about that. Uh, I watched that race in Atlanta. I thought, you know, the streak of different drivers, which I wrote the article about, he is the one that's going to be a spoiler, I think. Almost came in Atlanta. He's got a shot at it this weekend at Bristol. So uh, at this point, we're still intact. But yeah, I think he's the one that's going to be the spoiler and all that. Yes, Tommy, your your uh, follow-up thoughts. Yeah, I definitely think he is a favorite for the championship four, definitely in the top eight for sure this year. He is, like I said, I think he's going to be the first repeat winner. He's got a really good chance here at Bristol. But, um, yeah, him and Martin Truex are, are set up right now to be the first. And, well, maybe even Christopher Bell, too, but – I. It's, it's just so open this year, but yeah, Kyle Larson looks really good at the moment, and um, I don't see that changing at Hendrick calls him and Byron are already logged in, and they're all, I mean, they're all performing well. It's a matter of time before all of them have victories at uh, Hendrick Motorsports. We haven't seen that in a while either. Yeah, that's a good point. We haven't, but they just seem to be on the mark this year. So uh, I think that's really good for these drivers that are in the series, and I agree with you. We've got two in already, uh, just six races into the season. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to see the other two also qualify. Um, uh, my only concern is a lot can change. Uh, as we keep talking, uh, a lot of these drivers that haven't won yet are probably going to come on uh, before by the time we get to the mid-season uh, and we see them come up with a victory. Uh, so the same thing can be said for Hendrick Motorsports. They're doing really great now. Uh, you got to think they can only be doing better by the time the mid-season comes, and uh, this could really be a, a fantastic year for them. And uh, I'm happy for Kyle Larson with him coming back into the series after some controversy. I'm glad to see him having some success early in the season and for us to be talking about him as a potential uh, championship contender uh, as the Final Four at Miami. So uh, we'll have to see what happens. Time tells the rest of the story, right, Jay? It absolutely does. And truthfully, I know with what we read on Denny Hamlin, I said overall, I would have said strength of running throughout the races, maybe not quite as much as the finish as what Denny Hamlin has, that he is, if not the top, one of the top three uh, strongest teams all year. Uh, you know, uh, Hamlin is having, having the finishes. Larson had a couple of uh, finishes not indicative of where he's running, such as Atlanta getting second when he obviously, uh, you think he should have won. So uh, I look for him to, like you said, be strong all year, and we'll have to see uh, how far into the playoffs he can go. All right. That will be the final word there. 
Okay, I'm going to bring up one that was a controversy on Wednesday, but it kind of settled in uh, as the week. This is only Thursday, I guess, but it's already kind of been resolved. Uh, and that is everybody was in an uproar because almost all the Cup Series drivers were included as part of the iRacing Pro Invitational that took place on on Wednesday night, except for Kenny Hill. Since then, NASCAR came out and it was an oversight and worked it out where Kenny Hill did, in fact, race in that iRacing Pro Invitational on Wednesday night. But I wanted to get your guys' thoughts about the conversation and the controversy of what exactly happened and NASCAR's oversight. So, Jay, we're going to start with you. Well, for one, again, I'm not a big follower of the iRacing itself, so I don't know what their rules for this invitational were. They admitted it was kind of an oversight, being that he was the one uh, Cup Series, Cup level uh, driver that wasn't invited. Uh, and I know Team Penske stepped up and allowed him to uh, to race for them. And I do like the fact that maybe not how they do it, but the fans rallied around it, uh, you know, to get him in and, and really pushed on it. Uh, like I said, I don't necessarily always agree with all of them and how they say it and do it, but the fact that they are supporting him. And, and when it comes to the eye racing, especially, we've seen that he is a very good eye racer. So, I like the fact that he did get in and was able to run and had a good finish there. And, again, the more your name is out there and something like that, especially when it's fans uh, rallying behind you, uh, I mean, that just has to tell you that the that, that he has as a driver is great to see. You. Okay, Tommy, your thoughts? Well, I really liked um, Austin Sendrick's uh, tweet uh, at Timmy Hill. He was like, uh, hey, I tried out Brad. It was something along the lines of he was like, hey, I tried out Brad's seat. Uh, it's not going to work. I don't really fit in it. Uh, I think Timmy Hill should drive in my place. <laughs> it was pretty good. It, it was something along those lines. But um, I kind of, once I saw that, I was like, wow. I mean, he was one of the winners last year. He's really good. I was like, that was kind of sad. I was disappointed at first. But then after I saw um, Let Timmy Drive, I was like, there's no way he's not going to get in this. Somebody's going to – something's going to happen, and they're going to put him in there. And that's that's what happened. Like, I could have seen Clint Boyer getting out of there so he could so he could race in his car instead. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm – uh... I'm kind of thinking the same thing. I'm glad he was able to kind of get in a ride. It looked like uh, no matter what, uh, people were going to work on finding a way. Brad Keselowski gave up his seat and said he wasn't running. He was going to give it to Austin Sendrick. And as Tommy pointed out, Austin Sendrick says, well, I don't fit in the seat, so it's your ride if you want it. So, um, And he he was the show in iRacing last year. So to, to have an oversight that big by NASCAR is, is a little bit disappointing, uh, but I'm glad that they owned up to it, and I'm glad that they uh, found a way to make it happen for, for Timmy Hill to be in that event. Uh, and I'm, it's a good thing that the fans spoke out and there was a big controversy over it uh, so that that oversight could be caught 
and Jimmy Hill could uh, then be racing on Wednesday night. So, uh, Jay, what's your follow-up on that? Yeah, the final take there, too, for me is, in in this especially, I know last year being that, that we were doing it in place of the Cup Series racing, you know, the Cup Guys driver, drivers are racing on Sunday at the top of the limelight, for this an opportunity for others to shine. And Timmy Hill has been one of them that most certainly has. So, yeah. you know, again, it's great that he got such exposure and, and is why the fans, as well as fellow drivers, uh, you know, like Tommy mentioned, uh, willing to willing to back, back him up with that. Uh, I think it tells you a lot, again, about the future of the sport, the, the drivers uniting together. We talk about some of them maybe pulling against each other or whatever. We have dissension. There is also a lot of very big community and, and treatment like that that we don't always necessarily see that uh, is very prevalent, I think, anyway, in racing itself as opposed to... Okay, tell me your follow-up. Yeah, I really liked how um, everybody rallied around him to get him into one of those cars, but the yeah, once I saw what, what Timmy Race trending on Twitter, I was like, he's going to get in this. There's just no way. I mean, he won at Texas last <laughs> year. They even gave him, like, a virtual trophy or cowboy hat or something like that. So, um, but the one thing that I do remember seeing on there, too, was that he really wanted to promote his sponsors, and he didn't get that opportunity. So that that kind of stinks again. Oh, but, um, but he did uh, – he did a really good job in uh, Brackett's car. I mean, he was in the top of his heat, one of his heat races and everything. So uh, he he's really good at that racing too. So they've got to let him race um, in these for sure. I think going forward. Yeah, I'll also add that part of the controversy was that MBM Motorsports, who fields Timmy Hill in uh, in the Cup Series, uh, was talking about backing out of the Cup Series after being excluded. So, again, I'm really glad that NASCAR was able to work that out, uh, and I hope that they don't back out of continuing to compete in that series as a result of that. So uh, that's the only other thing I have to add to the whole conversation there. Um, but... Uh, other than I'm glad to see that Timmy Hill did race. I'm sorry that his sponsors uh, didn't get the recognition that uh, you would have hoped for. But uh, hopefully NASCAR uh, learned something from this oversight uh, that will prevent them from having that kind of oversight in the future. Okay, Tim. Uh, I'm sorry, Tommy. We're talking about Timmy. Uh, Tommy, <laughs> you're up next. All right, let's go with um, the uh, door bumper clear Mike Joyce segment that was uh, uh, on Twitter where he was talking about Graxon a couple weeks ago, but he went on door bumper clear and informed us of um, what he who he was talking about. Yeah, I'll go ahead and go next on this one, Jay. Um, yeah, I did get a chance to listen to that, and it was very interesting and insightful. Uh, he said it really wasn't inspired by Noah Gregson, but he he knows that Noah Gregson is kind of part of that group uh, of uh, drivers that this happens with. But uh, the the thing that kind of came across to me is his frustration is really with the fact that a lot of these drivers 
uh, and some of their post-race comments are not really respectful to all of the work that goes into a lot of these drivers racing from one week to the next. When you think about drivers like David Starr and uh, what he has to do in a race every week um, to have a, a young up-and-coming whippersnapper, if you will, uh, uh, come out with some very uh, unrespectful comments uh, and not have any real perspective of what these guys go through from one week to the next uh, is disappointing. I, and I will say that I applaud uh, Mike Joy for coming out and saying what he said. Um, and Again, uh, not necessarily directed at Noah Gregson when he made the comments. Uh, I, I think he made it clear that he was including uh, drivers like Noah Gregson and some of the things that he's done. But he also had other drivers that he included on that list. And, um, uh, and it was intended to be more of a general statement, uh, I think, as opposed to something specific. So, Jay, I'm curious to know your thoughts. Yeah, when you first read it, based based on the fact that it was following another uh, Noah Gregson incident, it did appear that it was a targeted thing towards him, um, where it's not. It was a category of drivers in which Noah mm-hmm. Gregson happens to fall. Um, so uh, it was good to hear him clarify that. He wasn't exempting him from it, but he said it wasn't a target about him. And you're right. I mean, I think he had some very valid points. And, and some of the driver names he threw out, you know, go back a long ways that it's always been that in the sport. Uh, you know, evolution and change is one thing, but you still got to respect, like you said, the ones that, that got you here as well as where other teams are at. Again, if you're racing for a top-tier equipment, uh, top-tier team, Lots of money, whether it be family money or, you know, however you put it, wherever it's coming from. The top equipment, you know, still understand and respect some of these teams that maybe aren't in that position. And not just whether it be the driver, but also, like you mentioned, Sharon, the crews. I mean, the the work that goes into it from the teams and just the fact that how hard they're working to get there week in and week out, you know. When it, when it comes to dirt track track racing, we talk about ones that come with the uh, million-dollar haulers and rigs. Jay, i interrupt you real quick. Oh, yep. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, it's that time of the night when we're going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, for those people who are tuning in for the first time, just know that when we go off the air mid-sentence, we are continuing to record the rest of the conversation. So you can hear the rest of that conversation on our podcast. What I do is I go out on Twitter to let everybody know that the podcast, is, that we're done, and that they can now go to the player and fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation here on our NASCAR Hot Topic Conver- Hot Topics Off segment of the show. So we don't like to take anybody by surprise, but uh, we just want to make sure we do the alert. So, Jay, you can go ahead and finish up your thoughts there. Uh, all right. Uh, talking about uh, with with some of the, the teams that what they spend on one hauler for, for their cars, and I say cars plural because some of them can afford to bring multiple cars, you know, that's that's the budget some teams race on all year just to get to and from the track. 
and you got a team that's spending mm-hmm. that on the hauler alone. So that's where I think he, what he, Mike Joy is driving at is just showing that respect, okay? You can have a difference of opinion. You cannot agree with what they did on the track or how it happened, but you can still be respectful to them as well as the team and the position that team might be in. Okay, Tommy, your thoughts. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the uh, the interview. Uh, I really liked how he goes into the history of it. Like he even brought up like Marty Robbins from back in the seventies, mm-hmm. I believe, the old country singer. So I mean, he he's really knowledgeable and he's seen a lot of it. He brought up the Davy Allison story. He brought up Jimmy Johnson's story and how they all got in it. But I really like how he clarified, too, that he just wasn't talking about Noah. He, he even brought up Ty Gibbs. And I, I must have missed something about the ARCA uh, Daytona race, not the road course. But he said something in a post-interview that wasn't very respectful either. So, um, But he, did, he does have a point with Graxon being disrespectful, too, because I didn't really like the low shot he took at Hemrick during the interview, too. And like the guys on the door bumper clear said, I think it was Freddie Kitchen and someone else's spotter was just like, you could just tell Noah was going to say something like he, I honestly thought he was, he was done that he was going to bring up the fight maybe. And then he, then he said something else completely different, but I, Mike Joy's perspective on it was really good. And I'm glad that he came on and clarified and, he even said that Noah didn't intentionally back into um, Daniel. So, uh, but um, it's always interesting to hear Mike Joy's history on stuff because he always explains it so well. Yes, he really does. And uh, uh, he does have some, some perspective. And he he's a former racer himself, which was kind of cool to hear too. Um, the, the other thing that I thought was enlightening is, is kind of uh, a little what I was kind of saying when we talked about that situation is that neither driver really had a perspective of what the other driver was dealing with. Now, um, Noah Gregson didn't realize why Daniel Hemrick was in the position that he was in, but he had to back up uh, as well to get his spot because of what happened in the pit stall, in the pit stall uh, behind him. And then I didn't necessarily agree with his take, but it is an interesting perspective when you talked about how uh, Noah Gregson, when he came in, he backed straight up and then was going to go forward to get uh, better positioned inside of his uh, pit stall. My perspective was that I felt like he shouldn't have backed straight up. He should have backed more at an angle if he wanted to reposition himself into that pit stall. So the fact that he backed straight up, uh, straight back, uh, was kind of an indication to me that he kind of did it intentionally. So it was interesting that uh, Mike Joy kind of gave him the benefit of the doubt, I thought, there. And uh, uh, I do understand why both drivers were frustrated. I just think that uh, um, Noah Gregson's... uh, track record kind of get to, allowed him to take the brunt of that over Hemrick. Uh, but, uh, uh, again, this is something that wasn't just targeted at uh, Noah Gregson. 
this was something that was, as you put it, which was really good, Jay, a category of drivers of which Noah Gregson uh, belongs in that category. He even mentioned, uh, you mentioned Ty Gibbs. He also mentioned Sam Mayer having made some post-racing comments uh, that felt appropriate. So um, a little bit of a frustration for him, I guess, and uh, I'm glad he voiced it. And hopefully these drivers will take uh, take note of what Mike Joy is saying and kind of temper their remarks uh, going forward. We'll have to see if that happens. <laughs> Jay, your thoughts? Well, and the one thing especially, uh, you know, and, and I hate to keep highlighting Gregson, but when we talk about that is the, the maturity level that we see eventually evolve through some of the drivers, you know, we, we've seen some greats of Tony Stewart, uh, Dale Earnhardt, um, but also, A, you back it up on the track, uh, which I know depending on wh- where you view Noah Gregson at, as of whether or not he's really living up to even his potential on the track, but also then you mentioned Ty Gibbs, and I, and I don't remember exactly what the comment was from the ARCA race at Daytona, but in his victory lane interview on the road course, he apologized for what he had said, you know, in his previous interview. And I think that also comes into play when he talk about Gregson is he doesn't back down or even soften mm-hmm. or, you know, attempt to understand the other side of it, uh, if, if you will. Uh, I think that's what adds to it, as well as, as Sharon mentioned, you know, it's not the first time he's been involved in, in a situation. Uh, so, you know, that history and that reputation precedes you and builds. Uh, whereas, again, with Ty Gibbs, I mean, that was one of the first things he said in his race-winning interview is, hey, I apologize for some, something I said in the last interview. Uh, so mm-hmm. I think that goes a long way goes a long way with that. And that's where that maturity as a person as well as a driver, and those are all pieces to then become more consistent on the track. Uh, you know, we talked about Kyle Larson, different things that have played into him. We're seeing it on the mm-hmm. track as well as off. Um, our guest tonight, uh, Isabella, mentioned Jimmy Johnson. It's not just on the track, it's off the track. So all these, those things come into play in one total package. Yes, indeed. So, Tommy, I'm curious to hear your final thoughts on this subject. Well, I was also going to bring up uh, Freddie Kitchens pointed out two other things. He he also pointed out that uh, – he said that all these younger drivers that uh, the, the the funded drivers are, some of them are good and some of them are winning races, and um, and people like them because you know they're they're good and they're winning, but then they go and they say some bonehead comments in the in the post race interviews and people are like you know really like just just why and you know. Uh, I do feel like there's some of the younger ones, and they did bring up Sam Mayer. I do remember that. Um, but and then also Freddie Kitchens or one of those uh, spotters said too that um, oh man, I just I think I just lost it. It was Greg Griffin, <sighs> Freddie Kraft. I can't remember. I lost. I lost uh, what I was thinking about it, but. Um, Oh, <laughs> I like perspective on it. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I like their their perspective on on the whole ordeal too, and how they were messing around with Mike Joy about it. Okay. But oh, I do hope that they 
they respect what Mike Joy says. Like, I hope all of them are listening. And Ty Gibbs did apologize. I did hear Mike Joy mention that. So maybe he's learning, and I just hope that maybe the rest of them learn, too, and that, that they're respectful uh, out there on the track. I mean, but I don't mind. TJ Majors. That's also entertaining. Yeah, TJ Majors. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, so I guess that's the last word on that topic. Uh, Jay, it's your turn. All right. Uh, we'll talk about this weekend with the uh, weather here at uh, Bristol Motor Speedway. Obviously, there's been some uh, tornadoes in the area uh, as well as rain. Obviously, tornado is bad all the way around. I know Mike had it posted. I saw it earlier. Uh, Red Farmer's house got hit. And uh, there's another one. Uh, James Spann is the one that does the weather out of Birmingham. Uh, while he was on the air and, and informing everybody else, I believe his house took some damage as well as a lot of other people that maybe aren't famous that we don't know. So our prayers are with them. Um, but talking about rain, when it comes to Bristol, I, I know Reddick, uh, I think Tyler Reddick is the one, he, see, he wants to see it get sloppy, wet, and race on it. Not sure that's great, but as Andy was asking me, a little bit of rain at the right time actually could be a really good thing for the track. So uh, I don't know if it, either of you watched a race hub. They had the interview with, uh, Dr. Dirt uh, from California, I believe, uh, talking about it. Uh, what we think the track's going to look like and the possibility of weather with it. Okay, so Tommy, what are your thoughts about the weather Weather that's uh, headed toward Bristol Motor Speedway this weekend? I really hope it doesn't uh, storm or rain because they've hyped this race up and this it would just deflate the whole thing if it just if there was a weather delay <laughs> I feel like the last three or four Daytonas have been like that and all the Talladega races which are some of the races people most most people get excited about and that Bristol race this Bristol race is definitely that and it would just deflate everything if there was a weather delay so I really hope that mother nature does, uh, mother nature does not intervene with this yeah, you and a whole bunch of other people are open for that. But uh, Andy makes a great point, though, too. A little bit of rain uh, could do some good with the dirt uh, if it should happen like that. And where did I just read something that, or maybe you said that, Jay, that Tyler Reddick or somebody was saying he hopes he does get the chance to race in the mud. Uh, that would definitely throw a whole new ball game in it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I hope the track's really prepared for this because I agree it would be a shame to have uh, these races delayed because of weather. Um, and I know that the first and foremost, uh, when you're talking about tornadoes coming through, uh, is everybody's safety. So uh, if we do get some delays, as frustrating as it would be to have that happen, I would much rather have people be safe uh, versus uh, putting people at risk. So uh, I can live with the delay if it means uh, uh, keeping people safe. Uh, but I think it is going to make this a whole different ball game all the way around for the uh, race car drivers uh, who have been preparing uh, to race 
on the Bristol Dirt and all of the events that they've participated in, they may still be a huge unknown if we're talking about uh, weather kind of interfering with the races this weekend. Um, it's going to be a story to be told for sure. So, Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, again, I will try to be brief. As I said to Andy last night, this is, this is complicated. Bristol in and of, of itself being that it's built on top of another track, and the banking complicates it even more. Uh, yeah. A rain shower at the right time. Again, if you, if you know anything about dirt track racing, they water the track throughout events. So water is needed. It's a matter of how much at the right time. And when you're talking about dirt and, and depending on the dirt, the sunshine and the wind play a factor. Uh, I think here the biggest thing is the banking. Now, with that, if you watched any of the, the dirt nationals uh, throughout it, and they did have a rain on Thursday and Friday, which, again, that, that's why they wanted to do some of this prior to this cup event. They have a very packed track. So, you know, uh, the Dr. Dirt, and I cannot think of his name. Uh, I know he comes from California. My dad and I talked about him, um, talked about it. If it is an extremely heavy shower late, uh, he said they may get it the track back within three to four hours. If it is a light shower, again, you put water on the track, Mother Nature's doing your job for you. Uh, generally speaking, there's nothing better than mother, mother Nature taking care of itself. So it would depend on when it hits and everything like that. They are prepared for it, uh, you know, and they, they got some work in with it over, over this week of the Dirt Track Nationals. So, and the fact of how they built that track and the banking with it, uh, I'd have to disagree with Tyler Reddick. From his perspective, I understand it. Uh, if you talk about it when it does rain, what they call a heavy track and really sling some mud, that's on a flatter track. I don't think you want to see that on this bank track of Bristol. Uh, I don't think he knows what he's asking for there, truthfully. <laughs> uh, you know, like I said, with a flatter track and then you get that heavy racing, some drivers do like that because uh, it provides more, more traction and grip and it stays throughout. What NASCAR has done with packing this track in the way they do, uh, I think it was Joey Logano talked about it, it gets what they call dry slick and really becomes almost like racing on asphalt. You see a black covering across it, you will hear tires squealing. Believe it or not, you're racing on dirt, you hear tires squealing because that rubber laid down on top of the dirt becomes, you know, that grip. So, um, like I said, I, they, I got to give them that. Whether this works out or not, they definitely did the best job they could in preparing and getting it ready. And I think they're ready to handle whatever comes. Obviously, Sharon, you know, mentioned tornadoes. You take that off the board. That's a whole different ball game. Safety is absolutely first there. Okay. First of all, let me apologize. I, <laughs> I became a puppy mama. Uh, this week, and uh, I went for one puppy and ended up with two, and uh, they've been real good throughout the show, uh, but they just uh, <laughs> came out, and they've been wagging their tails on my chair, so uh, if, if that comes through on the show, I do apologize. Um, they're happy tails, I should say, um, but... Uh, yeah, I I really think that we've got a lot to look forward to with this race. I hope everything goes uh, as well as it can go, given the circumstances, and that uh, this turns out to be a success 
uh, from NASCAR's perspective. I know there's a lot of unknowns. Uh, the weather during the weather in there makes uh, for a few more unknowns. And uh, uh, to Jay's point, the fact that they ran those nationals the week before and uh, have an idea of what to expect if it does rain, um, they kind of have something to go on with that now. Uh, of course, every situation can be a little bit different, but um, uh, I just think fans still have a lot to look forward to with this crystal race, and uh, we'll see what happens uh, as uh, everything unfolds this weekend. Again, I think it's really important that fans are aware uh, that uh, that uh, a lot can happen. So I think I went out of out of uh, line here, didn't I? Tommy, I think you're next. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just really super excited. I hope that the weather is nice and that there are no tornadoes. Uh, that's worst-case scenario. I just hope that it's a good weekend. I think maybe if it rains a little bit, maybe they'll still be able to race. So um, I'm glad to hear that they can race with it. Uh, uh, raining a little bit so um but yeah hopefully no tornadoes and i just hope that they are able to race because i'm ready to see this uh dirt race for sure okay jay you get the final word well i will say again i went up there saturday night for the final night of the nationals uh saw some great racing the track was very well prepared and had a couple of uh i guess you call them potholes uh what drivers, uh, polite drivers will say, the track had character. <laughs> it means it's got some holes or ruts, <laughs> but that, that's part of it. The, the bigger unknown, you know, throughout this week, I think they've, they've said they've had 12 to 1,500 different cars. There is still the unknown because the trucks and the cups are heavier cars. So there's still that. I think we'll see what happens following these uh, qualifying races Friday and then what the track looks like. And the one thing I'm still a little concerned about, again, a flat track, worst case is you take an hour, you dig it back up, pack it down a little bit. On a bank track like that, you don't have that capability. So I don't know what their plan is there, but I am sure they have a plan and are ready for it. Because, uh, again, everything I saw while I was there, uh, they were on top of everything they possibly could be and did the best to keep the show moving and, and give some great racing, which they did. It definitely delivered. Okay, well, that's good to know. Okay, now um, I'm going to bring up the next topic here. Uh, NBC Sports is playing its placing NASCAR America's Motormouth call-in show on Peacock TV as it continues to build up the streaming service with sports content. The show, which formerly aired on NBC Sports Network, will air Mondays and Wednesdays starting tonight, uh, which was last night. Um, So I want to kind of get you guys' thoughts about this because uh, it's already been announced that MSNBC is uh, not going to be moving forward after this season uh, and that they are moving a lot of that content over to Peacock TV. With streaming become such a big deal, uh, is this something that we're going to see more of uh, moving forward with especially the shows that are on NBCSN now uh, and the coverage that they're doing? Are we going to see more of it 
on Peacock TV uh, moving forward, and what do you see as some of the advantages or disadvantages of doing that? So, Jay, we'll start with you. Oh, I was hoping to have a little more time to get my thoughts together there. I thought you were going to Tommy first, but uh, oh. <laughs> I understand the, the, the streaming and this generation, that's what they're looking for. But NASCAR as a whole kind of went through this. You don't want to alienate your long-term or base uh, fan base. And I, I, I can't believe at age 45 I'm going to have to say this even for me of the older generation – uh, you know, I don't want to watch it on my phone. I, I'm not a streamer. I, I'm not. So uh, I'm not necessarily in favor of that or at least not taking all of it away. Uh, you know, I know there's the possibilities have been discussed of, of races going on to a, a streaming network. So uh, if it so happens that way, I will have to adjust, I guess. But I think they got to be careful, again, of, of going towards one targeted audience and losing another, if you will. Uh, and, and I say that with different things of not everybody has the capability of, of streaming. Uh, so, you, you know, you might lose some there that you're not really uh, aware of or prepared to. Uh, I think they got to be careful about that. Okay. Tommy, your thoughts? Uh, I'm hoping that the um... – I know that Peacock has uh, Dale Jr.'s uh, um, abandoned speedways on it and that NASCAR is starting to, to use it quite a bit, but I really hope that they keep, like, the races. I know that NBC uh, NBC Sports Network, is, is that it? I know that they're no longer going to be doing that next year. I think this is the last year of that. Right. And, um, um and I heard chatter or saw chatter on Twitter about USA being the channel that it might go to, too. I just, I'm sure they'll stay with Fox and maybe they'll do NBC, but I miss like when they used to be on TNT. Uh, I remember that. And I don't have an issue with like, I have all the streaming services calls. I mean, I would get it to watch NASCAR for sure. If they did do that, go that route. But I'm kind of hoping that they just keep it all on cable so that way everybody can see it. Okay. Um, you guys bring up some really good points. I don't know if everybody's aware that you can actually get the Peacock TV app and not pay for it. If you want to minimize commercials, you can pay an extra fee if you want to do that. And, uh, you know, that's available. But... As a free app, I think that it would still possibly be accessible uh, to a lot of different people. Um, and you can actually have the Peacock TV app on your TV and be able to still watch it on TV. It doesn't have to be on your telephone. Um, so I think that there is the possibility that it could open it up to uh, you know, a, a younger population, which is actually NASCAR's future. Jay's right. It's going to possibly also eliminate uh, some people that don't have a smart TV where they can get those apps. But, um, you know, the, a lot of our youth, that's the way they do things. I think about, you know, 
<laughs> some of the young kids in my family, they're watching YouTube uh, from a very young age, and that's all they want to watch is YouTube. So, uh, uh, you know, they are, they're growing up as watching everything on the streaming service. So uh, I think it is part of the future. So from that perspective, uh, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing uh, that would be happening. And, and I did see that, too, that there's some talk of maybe USA uh, taking over some of that streaming service. That kind of worries me a little bit because uh, they just have commercial after commercial after commercial. And do that, I hope they still have the split screen option available uh, and that we'll be able to um, to uh, see, you know, the action as it happens and not lose that part that we have with uh, NBCSN and the split screen. Um, but whatever happens is going to happen, and I think, you know, we just have to be uh, prepared for it when it does happen. Uh, and some of these shows that they're moving over now I think is um, – uh, is pretty cool because uh, they're getting a chance to try it out before they go full force with it, if you will. So uh, definitely interesting that it's happening, and uh, I'm just curious to hear your follow-up on it, Jay. Did I lose Jay? Oh, no. I think we lost Jay again. Okay, so we lost Jay, so we'll go to you, Tommy. Yeah, um, I just, um, I mean, I know that the Peacock is, or Peacock USA and all these other options that are out there and that the younger generation is all about the streaming services. You brought up YouTube. I mean, I even I even watch YouTube quite a bit myself. So, I mean, I, but I just feel like it would still benefit them to have it on Fox or NBC or CBS or TNT or a channel like that because – a lot of people do get those channels that don't do the streaming services, so that way you're not losing the you're not losing that audience. But um, that's pretty much all I got on my follow up on that for for that. Okay, well, with today's technology, I'm sure they'll do this split screen <laughs> if they do move to USA. Uh, because I can tell you from experience in USA, there's going to be a lot of commercials. Uh, and I know how our fans respond to that. So um, anyway, uh, whatever's going to happen is going to happen, and uh, we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, and we'll let that be the last word tonight's show. Uh, and so, We almost made it, Jay, to the end of the show tonight, but uh, uh, we'll go ahead and Move on to our roundtable at this point, Tommy. Everybody go check out my article on Bristol. Um, I brought up a little bit of the history of in that of NASCAR and dirt, and uh, the last race was actually in Raleigh, which is where I'm where I live uh, currently in North Carolina. But uh, they do still have the fairgrounds, but I don't think the track exists anymore. So, but. Um, yeah, just everybody go check that out. And I also have in there who to watch out for this week in the trucks and in the uh, Cup Series. 
Yes, indeed. I, I really enjoyed the article, and uh, I hope others will take some time to take a look at it. Uh, it was uh, really well, uh, a really good insights there. Also, we have uh, Sam has agreed to put out some articles after the heat races, or an article after the heat races this weekend, uh, and uh, I think that's going to be insightful as well. So you can watch for that as well as his recap uh, from the Cup Series race on dirt. So uh, definitely be on the lookout for that. I also have uh, Owen's uh, power ranking that I'll be putting out tomorrow, and uh, you can look for that to be out on Friday here on Fan for Racing. And um, I can't think of anything else right offhand, but uh, definitely looking forward to these races uh, this weekend. I know Andy's going to be at the track, and uh, he has promised me that he's going to put together a fan of the track piece uh, as a, a fan at Bristol Motor Speedway this weekend watching the races on dirt. So that should be interesting, and uh, hopefully he'll include some photographs as well so fans can uh, look forward to that too. Uh, okay, with that, uh, we'll do a big shout-out to our listeners for tuning in. We do appreciate everybody taking time to hear what it is that we have to say. We did have uh, Chris Knight on the show Monday night from Catch Fence. He has stepped in for Joe Graff Jr., who at the last minute was unable to be on the show. And uh, we had a really good conversation with Chris. So I encourage everybody to go back and listen to that if you haven't already done so. And then tonight we had Isabella Labuse from Red um, she's uh, part of the Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Touring Series. She had two top tens this past weekend in the season opener at South Boston Speedway. Uh, we, uh, for next week, we do have Cole Raz that's going to be on the show Monday night. I'm working on another racer from the dirt track uh, at Bristol this weekend. We'll see if that comes to pass. Uh, but you know that we will not have a show on Thursday night, and there uh, there will no. Although we have a show Monday, there's no show Thursday or the following Monday, so no show on April the first or April the fifth. We will be back on air on Thursday, April the eighth. So, uh, and we do have Regina Servant that will be on the show from Rev Racing for that night at 8.40 p.m. Eastern Time. So uh, just some programming notes there for fans to be aware of uh, due to the Easter break. And uh, with that, I think we're ready to uh, uh, say good night and, and uh, look forward to our race at Bristol this weekend. All right. Thanks for having me again, and uh, have a good night. Okay. Good night, everybody. It was uh, a lot of fun. Enjoy the Bristol races this weekend.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.